It's, it's Gentleman Jack. Jack. Crack, crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. That's so fucking loud. Me... Oh, is that me? Am I it's loud? No, you know what? You keep that exuberance for this recording. <laughs> Let me just adjust my volume. But hello, friends. Uh, welcome to an- another exciting episode of Gentleman Jack Crack. <laughs> why do you, wait, why do you sound unsure? Is it exciting? I think it's pretty fucking exciting. Uh, uh, I, you're probably still I, just a little uh, bamboozled I'm from what you just watched. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're affected. I've had more time to digest, redigest, marinate, and then marinate some more on what we saw. So, yeah, it's okay that you're a little discombobulated at this moment. Oh, um, <laughs> so let's say that the bells were definitely ringing this episode <laughs> in, in more than one way, of course, Bitch. of course. Oh, oh. yes. Mm-hmm. Double entendres. Yes. I love them. I love we, them. We got to visit Naples. <laughs> Italy. <laughs> Naples is where people go to die. Italy, in general, is where you go to have a good time. But, uh, but the way, there was there was nape. There was there was <laughs> there noses was near napes. There was successful nose noses near napes, and yes. that's what Anne deserves after toiling with Veer. It's just you know extra fun that Naples just happens to also be in Italy. So if you know the I phrase, mean, <laughs> I like the idea of Anne Lister transforming what Naples means for Anne Walker. Well, yeah, I mean, but going to Italy, I thought always. Well, uh, at least well, she was like Italy just overall but i feel like Hmm. i mean if if it were me i would have all kinds of sexual euphemisms for every part in italy so like italy means we fucking but other stuff like naples what does naples mean something Um, else yeah what does tuscany mean something else (laughs) what does rome mean something else a code within a code could you imagine (laughs) codeception oh my god what an episode what a fucking doozy i guess before we should get into it i know we wanted to give some shout outs to because a couple of you lovely listeners have been reaching out to us on Twitter and other places, even though, you know, we suck at social media. So thank you, gracious friends, oh, <laughs> for yes, still engaging you. us anyway. And a couple of you said some cool stuff. We would like to give a little quick shout out and special thanks to. And by the way, we love your name and of House oh. Thirst. <laughs> uh, obviously, we love that name. And you sent us a tweet asking if we got a hold of the scripts yet. And no, we did not. We did. I didn't know that scripts were out there to be downloaded. I didn't know that's what was happening. But thank you so much. And with E in the parentheses, because you're like both hands of House Thirst. And I appreciate, I appreciate your dedication to the facts. The hunt is afoot for these scripts. Oh, the scripts. I found them. No, the, the oh, hunt is oh. done. Because she said, she said, that's what I did. She said oh. the tweet. And I was like, bitch, went right to the Google. now Because initially I was like... What scripts? What are you talking about? But before she could respond, I Googled within the 30 seconds and was like, I found it. Never mind. Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> and so I guess we'll be adding because, oh, God, these episodes are already long enough. So we'll add that insight to the scripts. But I just want to say I love the insight Ooh. because you just get to see what Sally was like. Have this in your mind, Saran, or have this in your mind, Sophie. And yeah. then do the scene. And I like that type of shit. It's like the narrator that you don't get to hear, that you finally get to hear. So I'm excited to read all of them. Although I'd be lying if I said I didn't read 80% of them already, <laughs> because I did. But we'll definitely mention things related to that and talk about it more on the historical nightcap. So thank you, Anne of House Thirst. And we also want to give a special thank you to Orinthia, who tweeted us about a day ago, which 
is it relevant depending on when this yeah. podcast posts but you tweeted us not that long yeah. ago and early august you asked if we had seen a particular tidbit that was cut from episode two of hbo and i suspect you sent this message because we did not talk about it and considering how in-depth we are you had to have known that no no <laughs> we didn't say the clip and i just want to know why are clips hiding on vimeo like what the fuck is going on like I purposely, I ask every single time we view something. It's like, wait, let's check for extras. Are the extras somewhere, anywhere? Where are they hiding? Why are they hiding? Okay, that is the but more we looked. Question. We looked, but our mistake was just checking YouTube. And this blessed, blessed listener, Arinthia, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She sent us a Vimeo link. You know, it's where the real creatives go to Vimeo to mm-hmm. post our shit where YouTube doesn't pull takedowns. And we watched. Actually, let's just play real quick, and we will commentate while we do. On the Lightcliffe Road, and I spotted you. And Can I you believe it was this from, from this fucking tea. scene? This important <laughs> ass fucking scene. Yes. They cut out a whole sentence. Silly and foolish, I must have seemed to you. Oh. Now you said it, I only remember thinking how animated you looked. And this what was cut Even out. though you were bereaved, and I would never have thought you were foolish. <laughs> Why would I? What? I would have. Oh, Shall I sit here? Girl, yes. Okay, so <laughs> how does that not add just more i mean we already come on that whole scene is just incredible and flirty and the beginnings of being sprung how could you leave that sentence out how could i girl that's a lot that's a lot a lot in the 19th century that is a lot and i'm really still upset and vexed that hbo denied me this as did the youtube but thank you so much listener for reaching out and doing your charitable duty of goodness to us to make sure we saw the stuff and then we went through that vimeo uploaders stuff and then we saw other clips from other fucking episodes that we had not seen there was was one from episode was it one where fucking booth and accordingly are checking on black beauty to be like he's fucking suffering and i'm like where the fuck where, where was that clip where was it at and then we saw from episode two uh the the kids running from the gate that's uh, right it was an extended yes. elongated scene of the kids diving for pence <laughs> from christopher rawson where there was a jauntier uh flair of music playing and miss lista uh heading up to kind of figure out what's happening with the dealings with the coals from the other brother of yes. the rawsons and you know what that scene would have been it, it should have stayed for several reasons but ultimately it should have stayed to give all of us a sense of yes this woman knows how to move and yeah. with with haste exactly <laughs> hbo figure it the fuck out for season two because i don't i don't want to have to write y'all fix yourselves this is homophobia this is gay violence and i want <laughs> you to stop hbo i want you to stop i pay them twice so i'm just extra mad because yeah. like i have hbo now and hbo go and i don't want to explain why i have both because you guys will be like what the fuck Candace? i'm still like what the fuck but that's what's happening so when i'm paying twice for HBO, for cable, and HBO Now, I'm going to be extra mad that they got content just live in places that isn't on my HBO app that I pay for that I deserve. But at least we got to see them, so thank you again. Oh, we should also mention, I want to say a day, a couple days. Again, context is weird, depending on when you're listening to this, but there was a talk at Shibden Hall featuring Helena Whitbread. Oh. And while they were having this discussion, like question and answer type of situation, there was a drone flying all over Shipton. And I tell you, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Without this show, I cannot perceive 
of a version of me that's like, you know where I want to go, Terrence? Halifax. Like, I just, I don't think that would have ever happened in my entire life that I'm like, let me return to Britain. But specifically, let me go to Halifax. Never, ever, ever. But now I'm I'm like, I want to see the trees. I want to see the bush. I want to see what, did the grubble, did the grubble happen by this hedge? <laughs> Is it at all possible? It's possible unless someone tells me no. And so you guys should check it out. We retweeted it if you're interested, or you can just go to the Twitter of the Calderdale Council. And they have it posted with Helena Whipbread. And fucking check it out because there's never too much analyst of content that one can digest. So, yeah. Were you- no, no, no. I was waiting only because pregnant pause. I was only waiting to see if there was going to be an additional announcements. Oh, I uh, I was looking at my thing and I think I only had the that that shitty head article that pissed me off that I okay. wanted to so, mention. So- but why do you have? Do no, no, no. You- announce away. No, no, I have. You're like, there's nothing. I have, I have not <laughs> an announcement, uh, but this. Um, see, I just don't like the fact that we don't have a name for this uh, author. Right. Uh, this oh, the Economist article. Yeah. It just said. Um, but I'm pretty sure they don't let just anyone publish. For no, them. of course not. I mean, the Economist. I would imagine not. But I'm upset. That there's no surname. But all we see are is RD, and I keep like tapping it, like something magically will come alive, and I'll be able to see more about this writer. It was actually written a couple months ago, but I just I didn't like the title, and it was entitled "Gentleman Jack and the Problem of Unlikable Female Protagonists." And just off the jump, off the jump, from what I've read and heard so far about people's different opinions of Ann Lister and her being unlikable, or even worse, predatory, it's just sort of like. I'm just wondering what brings the context so quickly around Ann Lister when we are subjugated to dude after dude, real life dude and fictional dude. Problematic as fuck. Predatory as fuck. Like unlikable as fuck. And yet no one is here making TED Talks or writing editorials about, well, here we are with another narrative where we are making a man likable who is not likable and we are sympathizing or empathizing with him in a way that we should not. And we need to discuss this. But when it's Ann Lester, when it's a fucking lesbian, we got to discuss who's really likable and how much truth is in this story. And are we being really honest to her legacy? Because, you know, she cared about money. I just... I'm sorry, guys. This is a very beautiful episode <laughs> that we watched I mean, this week. Is. But I'm just, I ran across this article and it's pissing me off in the same way that other article I told you I found that pissed me off that was like, oh, Ann Lister slept with hundreds of women. And I'm like, yo, what are the heck's writing these articles? All these historians have gone through this painstaking work to make sure we have an accurate depiction of this fucking woman. And you guys are out here saying whole non-facts, showing that not only do you not really care about Ann Lister's legacy, you didn't read the books. Maybe they're of the bloodline of someone like a Rawson's, where it's like, you know, the Rawson's could have, <laughs> the Rawson's could have been wealthier in their time oh had they God. not had to butt heads and part uh, funds and fees. Encouraging. <laughs> genetic, succumbing genetic to, the, shade. to the might, the, the intellect might. You think of it's a, a descendant of fucking Christopher Ross? <laughs> or just, you shit. know, someone who lost out. Like, Think about it. If she had to maintain good relations with everyone who was on her land, who was to right. work for her, and she had no qualms about kicking people out who couldn't resonate and at least respond respectfully to her authority, then who's to say that someone salty and homeless that that whose bloodline survived all this time didn't have like extra words to say? I mean, no one really wants to paint a woman in a positive light, especially not in a historical sense. I'm just going to read this paragraph. 
Gentleman Jack is brighter and more engaging than most period dramas. Filmed in and around the real Shibden Hall, the show gives a true sense of time and place, from the glamour of country estates to the grim reality of local minds. Miss Jones brings a steely determination to her character that is compelling to watch. Sophie Rundle offers a suitable contrast as Walker. That sentence, the first half of it, it has me fucked up. A suitable? Suitable. That's like saying, suitable? yeah, she's barely enjoyable. It is. That's fucking shade. It is. All right. A suitable contrast as Walker at turns spoiled. Come again? Well, why what? would you say why that? Why would you? Let me just, I'm not going to. Hmm. Frustratingly fragile and desperate for affection. Okay, so. And those wait, are words that you used to describe. She's a touch-starved baby gay. How dare you mark that down as something that's bad about her characterization. She's literally the definition of a touch-starved baby gay. I, maybe they just don't know whom the, gay, the gays is for. And they're thinking that whomever this person is writing the article, maybe they think that the gaze of the series is supposed to be the het male. And it's yeah. not. That's what makes it so fucking groundbreaking is that it's so very clearly not for the hets, man. I just, it upset me. God, she was a fucking human. She was a full three-dimensional, full-blooded human. And that's what we're dealing with. And a lesbian. <sighs> Anyways. Perhaps we should watch this episode one more again to palate cleanse my oh, rage. Yeah. That is a word <laughs> to use for this moment. And if any of you have read any of these weird articles that seem to be giving weird vibes about Ann Lister or weird judgy things, um, reach out to me. We can bitch together. And I will totally at that writer directly to be like, what's your fucking problem? For any of you listeners from Well Well, you know, sometimes we even sing. <laughs> we even sing about people we hate and then at them later. So, you know. <laughs> if you see him, point him out. If you see him, point him out. Seriously. I, I just want to talk. I just want to talk to RD. Just, I just want to see what's going on with RD and have a conversation about Miss Lister. Hey, come we on, do it the podcast. Come on down uh, to FlameCon, you know? Just, yeah, we'll just... say it. Just show up. Just show up real quick. All right. Let's do it. Let's let us watch one more time. Oh, 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 oh. Is that what you call it? That's my interpretation of yes. Mrs. Mrs. Priestley. All right, guys. We will be right to back. Right back. All right, we are back and let us get into episode three of Gentleman Jack entitled Oh, 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 Oh. Is that what you call it? Is, is, that, is that what you lesbians call it? So where do we begin this lovely episode? I want to say we get a visit from two Rawsons, but not the Rawsons that we would were thinking of. So it's not the brothers. It's a... Uh, uh, it's definitely not the brothers. It's a mother and oh, daughter. yes. Okay, so it is, um, I want to say Mrs. Stanfield. I feel like it was Stanfield and not Stansfield because I feel like I would remember from Lisa Stansfield. Oh, got it. Never ever gonna get up. <laughs> That's coming out. In the end. No, I mean, <laughs> I like Lisa Stansfield. Oh, she is. She's great. I believe it's Mrs. Stanfield Rawson and little Miss Delia Rawson who is the sister, evidently, of Catherine. And they're arriving in a gig. And from the jump, as soon as they get out, you see the mom's face and you're like, she's going to have a problem. Matter of fact, she has a problem mm -hmm. right now. She Attitude is all over her right fucking face. now. It's like she's heard tales of Grubbles at the Lake District and she's mad. And meanwhile, the little one is just looking like she's bracing herself for all of her mom's nonsense because I feel like the entire carriage ride over, she was talking that shit. Oh, I believe it. Lister. But I don't know if she anticipated 
Miss Lister being there. Now nah, she was hoping there. to talk shit while Miss Lister was asleep at home. She didn't know Miss Lister wakes up at the crack of dawn to incur a cross right. and then go see her girl. Right. So no, sorry, she's a very busy, busy, energetic woman. She and does not she sleep. Did she try to say something that would have alluded uh, someone less intelligent to think that um, we need some alone time as a family? And uh, <laughs> Alice is like, oh. Um, what? Like, what are you trying to say? What, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Did we mention how just before they get inside, Anne and Anne are laughing? And those are definitely not head giggles. You know well, how we suffered with Beer's head giggles well, in episode one? These are these are lesbian sapphic giggles. And I feel like Mrs. Stanfield is like, when she looks at her daughter, she's like, do you hear that? <laughs> That's the laughter of sin. They lesbian in together. <laughs> like she's like, they're lesbian in. I know it's it. more joy than anything. It's joy. There's too much joy in this house. We like we like docile and sad Anne. We yeah. don't we don't like happy Anne. Yeah, and so they just run up on a bitch and James announces, like, oh, it's Mrs. Stanfield Rolson, Mrs. Delia or Mrs. Miss Delia Rolson. And we hear our patron saint of thirst just be like, Oh, I guess. I mean, show them in, I guess. I mean, I have company. Not really interested in seeing these bitches, but sure, show them in. And I feel like we have to note, we would be remiss not How to are note. you, my dear? Wait, <laughs> you've jumped too far ahead because you haven't acknowledged the domesticity that is on display from the Lake District. Because number one, they kind of get up in unison when they're like, oh, I'm going to greet you like a fucking couple. That's some couple ass shit. It and then was. they finish each other's sentences because the sentence starts because that bitch is like, oh, Miss Lister. Oh, <laughs> You're a lesbian and, and I thought I was going to come and talk that shit. And you had a lesbian in yesterday, but you're still lesbian in today. Is that how it works with you lesbians? Okay, great. I love that, uh, you know, Anne Lister was like, well, you said hi to her. I'm standing right here. So let me extend my hand out so that you can uh, shake my hand because uh, I'm also in the room. But this is after <laughs> where she's like, I, you know, when Anne is like, come in and, oh, you look very well, my dear. Other Anne, Lister, steps in and is like, oh, she's great. She's <laughs> she's better than she's ever been, actually. She's fucking, she's fucking fantastic. Oh, by the way, I'm so here. I mean, they're coupling up. Like, you, like, that question wasn't asked to Anne Walker. It was, I mean, that question wasn't asked to Anne Lister. It was asked to Anne Walker. But she was like, oh, that's my girlfriend now. So I can, um, answer. I can answer. I can answer for you. She's doing great. You see how she's not sad when I talk on her behalf? I mean, <laughs> she was grinning back there. Like, she's right. She's right. I'm better than I've ever been. And tells no lies in this situation. And yeah, I mean, that just that whole scene is delicious because I feel like Mrs. Stanfield isn't even doing well at feigning politeness. Like, she's she's doing something because she ultimately stays. She ultimately shakes Anne's hand, but it is reluctant as hell. Oh, of course it is. Where you could tell her social conventions are kicking in, but she doesn't want them to. She's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Gotta be polite. Must be polite. Don't want to be polite. Will be polite. Barely. D- damn it. Of, I thought of. Dr. Kenny said that Anne Walker needed a break from her routine. I thought Dr. Kenny said lesbians what- slept in. I thought that's what Dr. Kenny said. It's too early for Anne to be over here grumbling. I thought he said lesbians don't grumble till after 12. And it is clearly before 12. And yet here she is. I mean, you can't argue with medicine that works. I mean, she, you, the proof is in the pudding. She looks like she's doing great. And the fact that Ann Walker is just on the side observing, not giving us like zero fucks and completely and totally tickled. You can tell. She's like, yeah, look at her. Isn't she great? Y'all are silly trying to go wit to wit with my girl because that's not going to work. It's not going to work out in your favor. And she's just thoroughly thrilled with all of Ann's behavior in this fucking room. And quite frankly, so is Delia Rawson. I was going to make a meme. It'll make it to the Insta eventually. But there's an expression when I was watching it again recently and I took it on my phone. Actually, let me pull it up so I can show it to you. And then we could put it on the internet. Oh, wait. So here. Wait. Oh. Over Thank you. 
I save way too many memes because why am I scrolling like this? Oh, I went to a party. I went to a party. Wait, you saw my message in the chat. I was like, let's record. And then like an hour after I was like, too many drinks. Let's not record. Yeah, I was Forget like, oh, it. oh, turn around. Okay, go ahead. just had like, LOL. He's like, oh dear. Okay, so uh, here it is. Look at their faces. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, Her face is like, No, the mom's face I is here? like, there's lesbianing going on in here. But Delia's face is like, what's that smell? Ooh. It smells so lovely. I like the scent in here. Is that is this what lesbianing smells like? Because she's into it. Did, she, I, did I walk into the uh, a mist? <laughs> <laughs> the vapors. The broom. <laughs> so Anne Walker of House Partridge is what they're smirking ridiculously while Anne Lister does the polite bullshit. And eventually, what is it she says? Oh, if you have company, I can bounce. And Anne Walker's like, oh, okay. I mean, I mean, if you're busy, if you got shit on the on a schedule, <laughs> and then they stand there for an uncomfortable beat before they're just like, okay, let me sit, and they get, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I guess we will sit down to have this conversation in front of her about things. Best of luck, Mrs. Stansfield, because Ann Walker is in complete adoration mode. Nothing else can be said. She also shakes Delia's hands. I forget that. And I feel like Delia probably got a little bit of fills. She's like, what's this? <laughs> what's awakening in me? Mm. This handshake is doing something. Oh, yeah. Well, she was trying to fumble away to have a pleasant. Okay. Not so pleasant. She's not like, overly oh, I, pleasant. Hi, hi. Well, I think it's twofold. Because one, I don't think, especially with the family she's from, I don't think she's used to people addressing her. Like, I feel like she follows her mom around and she's the insignificant child. And already women are like, shh, don't talk. But a child? Come on. And so I just feel like she's used to just being the dressing like I'm here with my mom because I have to go but no one really addresses me no one ever really talks to me and then Anne does she's like I'm gonna deflect from your annoying ass mom and I'm gonna talk to you oh you know what you look just like your sister <laughs> except you know the lips the they're lips. full of <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck and while while touching her lips mm. while touching she her lips like that's a lot that's a lot and then ed walker's in the corner like yo she is so tickled she is having the time of her fucking life god and meanwhile elder Rawson's like well um you know that that trip to the lake house looks like it done you a bit of good um <laughs> a bit you know um you know i can't stop hearing about it because you know uh fucking Catherine. i mean much to my surprise uh Catherine kept going on and on about how miss miss lisa that you were there like, you know what surprises <laughs> me that Catherine talks about things that aren't bonnets I'm okay shocked. Right. i'm shocked did she did she I tell about how many bonnets she bought since she's been there seven <laughs> to match her pre-existing seven that she took with her and they're only slight shades different uh, hues from the previous seven and then didn't she also do some watercolor portraits about bonnets She's like, no, 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 no. Ann Walker was talking about Ann Lister the entire time before Ann Lister showed up. And then Ann Lister showed up. Actually, that's a lie. I take that back from my fantasy because we know Ann Walker wasn't talking about Ann Lister because Catherine doesn't let her get a word in edgewise. It, so forget all, it. Forget all. it. She was just painting pictures of, of uh, vapors. <laughs> and a lake. Vapors. And, and then also her trinket. <laughs> No, really. And her trinket. Her gondola. Said, right. So let's... In my let's mind, she incurred a cross stroking that gondola. But, you know, she said she was real sad. So maybe she was just sadly stroking the gondola. That's also without incurring the cross. Yeah, I could see that. Stroking the gondola. Just thinking about Watercolor Feeling sad. Because she didn't get that kiss before she left. That really is what had her fucked up. Because she would have had that kiss before she left if it wasn't for Catherine. Yet yes. again. The yes. fuck? Oh, I mean, when she does her flirts with Delia, just the looks between like the mom to Anne and to Delia, 
Delia back to Anne and Walker to everyone like, <laughs> isn't my girlfriend great? It's kind of like when she shoulder checked Catherine, where everybody else would probably be like, that's rude as fuck. But Anne Walker's in the back like, I just, isn't she adorable? I swear. Mic drop. Literally. Oh, right. uh, I wonder if it's, if it's a, a slither of jealousy where it's like, where was my gal to be pals with when I was coming of age? You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Where where was my landed lady oh, to where was my buy bitch? a house alongside Listen, my property? We need to, and to keep me company when my husband was out <laughs> doing um, uh, uh, disappointing women across Halifax. We already have a bit of queer in this show, and that's Mariana. We do not need to stack up on more upset queers at the patriarchy and life that, doing them dirty. True. Not to steal the Mariana's thunder. got You're enough right. fucking baggage yeah. for everybody. I'll take your word for it because we're uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. But, you know. I consistently mm-hmm. scream randomly about Mariana. It's just because you don't have all the information. I'm just like, oh, ah, I have things to say. But she does say after Stanfield drops that shade that wild horses couldn't keep her away. <laughs> wild, wild horses. She's like, they can't keep me away, bitch. That's like a line from a Sarah McLachlan song in the right. 90s. Wait, is it for real? Yeah, maybe. Or I like Crazy right Horses, one of those. I'm just going to Google it real fast so I don't have to Google it later. Wild Horses, Sarah. <gasps> okay, so Sarah McLaughlin has come up. Oh, my. Wait. No, that's not right. Wait, that could be it. Okay. Oh, I'm so curious. A few moments later. Was I just at a Sarah concert where she covered it and it's not an official release? That Let's could be see. it. Let's see. Cover versions. There's a lot of them. 20 minutes later. You know what I always loved about Lil' Fair? was the name and it wouldn't come back around to like true blood ages but like you know the the legend of lilith as the first woman who refused to be subservient to adam i think that she held the apple (laughs) baby me was like (laughs) miss sandry i am going you can't stop me one hour later i don't want to wait i mean and everyone bought that i was a fan before dawson's creek but i'm saying she peaked with dawson's creek we did know about paula before dawson's creek it wasn't until after dawson's creek where she blew up and some people didn't know about how amazing and special she was and when she would throw her arms up oh yeah it was like (laughs) what is that it's bush it's called it's it's called liberation bitch It's called, you better look at these hairs. And that was my favorite part. Don't, you, just dare, throw her. don't you dare airbrush my pits. You better not airbrush my pits. Eventually. Yo, what took us What took us on this tangent? Help me uh, out. Wild horses couldn't keep me away. Right. Oh, wow. See, this is the problem. When we try to explain to people why our recordings get so long, it's like we said last episode, the rambles. This is it. We took an hour-long detour into 90s music memories. and But uh, let's get back. <laughs> So now we've got a. That's. <laughs> with that little card. That's not it. With that little card. With that little card to our jaunty music because the episode has officially begun. And what a way to begin. Bitch. So we had, we had the credits. And uh, from here, where do we go? I feel like we're uh, transported into Shibden. And it's uh, John uh, breaking down his master plan of asking. Oh, right. Uh, a very hot engagement. Yes, yes. Yes. Between Eugenie and John. You are correct. So John is talking to Baby Booth, his brother, about marrying Eugenie and wanting to propose or whatever. And his brother was a little shady, like, what was it? Oh, why? Why are you going to marry Eugenie? I'm like, Yo, Eugenie's a fucking cutie. Like, I mean, hey, like, why are you business? he needs the daughter's energy of like, are you sure she's going to take you? Because right. like, have you seen yourself? I don't know. <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you looked in the mirror, dad? 
And so then he goes to the uh, the ladies of the house who are, uh, it looks like they were preparing food or, or something or other. And he's like, uh, <laughs> it's always something I need uh, uh, help uh, proposing to Eugenie. Uh, so if you could tell her on my behalf that I'm really feeling her, like, you know, that I was chilling with my Kool-Aid or whatever. Accordingly, it's like, it's like bitch, what? And then she does the worst delivery of fucking French. <sighs> and what's so fucked up is Why that... Why do they let... They keep those takes. They keep the takes. <laughs> but I think that's the point. That's the point. Because, yo, they don't even... She didn't even communicate any of the sweet shit. Like, the whole scenario is ridiculous. But John was like, well, you know, I just want to tell her that I think she's very beautiful. And I'll do my best to make her very happy. And Courtney's just like, uh, he wants to marry you. He demands... No, he doesn't demand. He's asking to marry you. The end. Will you? And she's like, uh... Wait? Wait? <laughs> Which, mm, um, mm. <laughs> that's all I have to say about right, this, this like, wedding proposal okay. and marriage, potentially. Oh, we'd have to mention that motherfucking Hemingway. When he actually goes to propose motherfucking Hemingway, after he says that shit, like, oh, you know, I think she's really pretty and I'll do everything I can to make her happy. Hemingway's like, well, shit, John, if she won't have you, I, oh, will. I will. And I was like, bitch, that's the proper pairing. You guys actually know each other and you speak the same language. That is the pairing that should exist. Not him and Eugenie, you and John. I mean, if you think he's cute and he's sweet, what, what you doing? Like, I mean, if there was a shot what to you take. For? Right. <laughs> right. Shoot your shot, girl. Take Anne's fucking uh, influence and take the lead. And so after this scene, we get our first look at the show meow. Yes, although it's I, about did, I had time. no idea that that's what, where we were going. I just saw, okay, two gals being pals out for well, a stroll. Yeah, start with them uh, walking. And this is a slower stroll. This isn't the jaunt step. This isn't like... Uh, I think you need to realize that Anne, Anne doesn't jaunt with thirsty Anne, that's not what happens right and jaunts with everyone but thirsty Anne. with thirsty Anne, she takes her time so you're not going to see fast walking ever with Anne and Anne, unless ann walker is on a horse and ask me to elaborate at the end of this season what i mean by that but i will perhaps some of you listeners already know what i mean when i say ann walker on a horse and ann lister not but anyway um yes the show me out and they're having a discussion and ann walker is doing her adorable ramble yet again because you know she hasn't been allowed to speak all day all day until she got to Anne and she's talking about travels and um, basically that somebody's supposed to be coming to town Ainsworth and them but they were supposed to come this other time but he's got to get a job or whatever the fuck and so basically we can be off earlier than I said I was like oh this is some good news and then uh, it looks like they're rounding a bend to a clearing to where that has to be Lower Brook Inc. <laughs> As they call it, because that's where she was like, I'm building an ornamental path. So she was like, this is the thing. The path is going to be romantic. And then it gets to the clearing, which is a chaumiere. And just and she really put a lot of pre-thought into this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate and it. And as soon as uh, uh, we see uh, Anne Walker look up, you hear the and it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I guess you caught off guard this time. Those those damn petticoats. I just want to say that our patron saint of thirst had the perfect reaction here because she is completely in all like earnestly like you can tell she's just like oh my god and it's probably a combination of not having seen anything like that before because she don't really travel as far as we can tell but just i don't know it was nice like Anne is a bit of a overachiever where these are concerned and she wasn't building it herself but she was like this needs to look elegant this needs to look classy this needs to look exotic in a certain kind of way like it doesn't belong in shrubs she was getting rid of the shrubs she was like i'm blowing these up myself bitch that's what's happening and so i feel like Anne lister i mean this is this sort of parallels the giving of the gondola 
where she sort of studies her face while she's doing it and considering all the incurring of crosses that we know happened in real life and all the thoughts and obsessions over it, that it would super matter to her what Ann Walker's first reaction was and thoughts and feelings about the Shomia, the love shack. And she loves it. And Anna's like, great, thanks, fantastic. Shall we go inside? Exactly, right. exactly <laughs> as planned. Shall, exactly we, as shall planned. we see what's happening inside? Uh, please have a seat. Uh, did you take this furniture from the house? Oh, it's not important. Just just sit, sit anyway. I don't, I mean, is it? This is this, shit. Is this First newly of all, furnished? it's out of control because of course it's newly <laughs> furnished. What do you mean? It's new. The only thing that happened in there was Anne incurring a cross. And those are facts because she incurred a cross in that shed before. Oops. She incurred a cross in that shed before um, other Anne came back. And that was ridiculous. I just when I use the phrase Hobbit House of Love. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now? With that thatched roof. It looked like mm-hmm. that's where Frodo and his man were getting uh, it yes, on. Yes, it, it does. I could see middle earth Just vibes. a century or six earlier. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wherever Lord of the Rings takes place. Whatever time period. And uh, have you ever deigned to build anything as, as beautiful as a, as a love shed? Uh, no, uh, although uh, I've read stories where there were people who built things like dog houses or lemonade stands. I mean, I could never do any of those things. But uh, the closest thing to the show me, the DIY stuff that I, I could imagine doing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like it would have been wait. maybe on the level of a dog house. I imagine maybe doing on like, the level I imagine a, I could have done yeah, this. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Like I read about oh my God. doing tree houses, dog houses, lemonade stands, but I just never, I've never done it myself. I, I think the closest the I've come, even though I do have a book that I've read about building a cabin, just because in case the apocalypse comes down. But the closest I've come is just erecting a really fly tent at Burning Man. And I feel like that matters because my tent, like the year before, was horrible <laughs> it was See, the first year i didn't know what was going on right. but okay and here's what made it extra special there was a dust storm that year so there's two ways for a burning man to go with you especially going with the bay is that it can be comfortable or it can be not and i just want to say that while my spikes were holding and my luxury tent and i seen bitches chasing their their tents oh lord down the desert plain good, um, <laughs> good lord <laughs> i wasn't gonna be grubbling on some fucking pebbles <laughs> Fucking bruises in my back because I actually had my friend's tent collapsed while he was with the grubbles. Oh, and uh, that's not that's not what you want. That's not what you want to have happen. So, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh, so we're inside the Shumiel and they get in and it's all pretty. I mean, first of all, Ann Walker's dress is pretty bright. It's the brightest we see. Pink as fuck. And yes. even though it's super bright outside, it's really it's really I mean, it's not super low, but it's dimmer. It's much dimmer than Shomir. Like, all they're missing is some fucking music by the internet or Sade. And they're playing in the background to set the mood. Because the mood is fucking set. I mean, the fire was already lit. Did you notice? Yeah. That means either she came and lit the fire in anticipation or she sent a motherfucker to be like, light this fire at this specific time because I'll be there 10 minutes minutes later. You know she's on her clock. She's always checking her clock. So she definitely knew, like, light this fire at this time. I'll be there at this time within this window. Do it or else. And they're like, Miss Sister. We understand your love shed must be prepared. Mm-hmm. Or do we think that she would do it herself because she don't want nobody in her fucking love shed? Uh, now that's a statement. So you to do precisely this and then to leave. That could be that could be a gamble. I mean, maybe she timed it. I mean, she could because she we know that her walks like she's fast. She's yeah. She's not afraid to be physical, so she could have. But then wouldn't she, you know what? I'm going too deep into it. I'm like, wouldn't she be musty? She wouldn't be fresh for, for Miss Walker for their makeout session. I oh, feel like well, she cares about shit like that. Oh, fresh later. Oh, 
I'm mad. At, I, I mean, you said fresh in the tire. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't throw away fits. your theories. I can't throw away your theories because you just don't know, and I do know. So I'm oh, just yeah, like, I'll, I'm just I'll, trying not to. So I'm just thinking, okay, it's me applying. Well, that would heavily see if if it were a flipped kind of gay affair when you're caught unawares, things can go wrong. Because this prep okay, I that see. has to be involved <laughs> in things. Yeah, I mean, no, I just no, I, mean, I know exactly okay. what you're talking okay. about. All right, so I remember, mean, I had okay. a queer tourage from okay. high school on, okay, and so I'm aware of the enemas. Yeah, oh, thank see, you very much. Right. See, no, okay. I just said it. I just said it out loud. Okay. I just said it the fuck out loud because I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, what good queer doesn't know what the other queer friends get up to? <laughs> okay. Do we never have a conversation? But yes, no, no, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. But that sucks for y'all when the vagina is self-cleaning. Now, that is not to say, that is not to say that bitches should be out there grubbling without a shower, without being zestfully clean. I'm just saying that it's different circumstances. That's all. Anyway, um, this, uh, this is my Anlister Medical Fact of the Week because I had one last week. That women are naturally cleaner. The end. So yes, we are inside and Anne gets on the ground to tend to the fire that's already lit. And Anne Walker starts to talking. And what does she say? The things she says are quite, quite inspiring. She says that while well, she was at the Lake District, she was feeling pretty low. And she knew that if there was just one person out there that could make her feel fucking better, it was Anne. And there she was. Right there at the Lake District. I also want to note that I'm pretty sure Anne, after they come in, I think Anne locks the door behind her because there was a secondary sound to the closing of the door, but also because that would just be habit, especially, you know, looking out for people like a muscle reflex, more of which we see later in the episode. But I think when we think back to the entries from her time with Mrs. Barlow that we were reading in the last historical nightcap, this was always a thing. Locking the door, checking, and then checking again. And so I like that this bit of Foley that they included in the episode, that's ultimately kind of hard to notice depending on what you're doing as you're watching it. But because I don't know if you heard it, but like all the details in the show, it's purposeful with a shit ton of entries and historical context that inform the choices. So there's that, because this is sort of like, I mean, we've seen Anne be cautious, but in this episode, we really see what it's like to be a lesbian trying to live out here in the 19th century. It involves, and to be frank, not much has changed for, for the gays, for queer people. You still have to look around, double check your surroundings. You can't always hold the hand of your partner in public. You don't always feel safe to do so. You can be aggressed at. And depending on the location, it can be dire. And so that is part of what we're seeing here. We're seeing the years of Ann Lister courting women, flirting with women, having relationships with women and being like, I need to protect myself from my reputation, her reputation, and make sure that we're okay, like the book's already said. I think Ann Walker probably could have stopped at that statement of like, oh, I was feeling down and then you got here and I was feeling better. And Ann Lister probably would have been home like, success in the show me out. I got what I wanted. I got compliments. I got confirmation that she was thinking of me because before she left, she was like, think of me. And it worked. She was like, I, I thought of you the entire time. But that's not that's not where Ann Walker ends it. That's not that's not no, where it no. ends. It, it, she doubles. She triples down. She's like, oh, uh, I feel like that's when she's asking about uh when she was when they were in the room and uh oh yes and she's like uh and then you kind of after Anne goes hmm. to kiss me <laughs> she's one of those hmm. right. after Ann and walker's then, like I, I i was so happy you were there yeah like um the, like i was actually down for the kiss like i mean i i was, didn't know how to say it i guess in the moment but like i was totally down for it like we could have i mean i still kind of want to like 
don't you know what you do to me, woman? Like, essentially, <laughs> no, essentially, See, that's, that's what essentially was. what she was saying. That's essentially what she was saying. She, I actually think she genuinely fucked Ann Lister all the way up because I can't perceive of, of Ann Lister anticipating this whatsoever. It just isn't something that would have been on her plate. And like, because she's so dedicated in her courtship and grubbles that, and look at Veer, that she's totally prepared to wait a certain amount of time to get whatever the fuck from Ann Walker. And every time Ann Walker's like, I'm just going to give you about 80% more thing you were expecting in this moment and blow your fucking mind. And this is one of those times where it could have just stopped there and been fucking fine. And she's like, actually, so remember that time we were in the room and stuff and Mm. you said, well, well, you implied, you implied that you wanted to kiss me. And I just, I, you know, I just, um, I just wanted to say that, uh, I'm not, I'm not frightened. And what's great about this delivery is she is looking Anne straight in the face. She's not looking away. She's not being shy. She's not fluttering. She's not stuttering. She is completely and entirely sure of what she's saying. Cause you know, she probably practiced that shit in her head the whole walk over before she was rambling about Ainsworth coming over. She was like, okay, okay, okay. How are we gonna bring this up? How are we gonna bring this up? Because we're about to be in a private space. And I, I've been thinking about this kiss for a solid three weeks in the Lake District. Like what the fuck, what am I gonna do? And this goes back to what I said in the last episode that like the way their dynamic works, where, you know, Anne lets other Anne and Lister lead and she follows. But in that way that she follows, her desperation is on display because you mm. can't get more obvious. Like this is her saying, kiss me. She wasn't saying like, I just want you to know it's going to be okay. She was like, do it, bitch. Like, yeah, that was definitely. Uh... I know you need to, you know, to pace it out, but I, I need you to, <laughs> I need for right. you to know, I'm not afraid. Let me drop my fucking voice down. I didn't walk all the way to this moss house to be treated like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I came here to be treated like a bad woman. <laughs> I fucking can't. Oh my, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that line. Oh my gosh. I, so I'm guessing after... So she takes her time. She's like... I, when I first saw this initially, I was like, I mean, slow down. Like, you know, cause I was like, heel, like, like, uh, it felt like she was going to pounce. Like, like again, and listen, yes. It's like, you got the green light, but at the same time, it's like, like, yes. Uh, just please don't scare. Don't scare the baby gay away. Literally that. Like, don't don't, frighten her away. Exactly. But that's the whole point. That's the whole point I'm saying about the baby gay. She's like, I'm not frightened though. (laughs) Like, this is what you need to understand. I understand you've been fucking with Veers, but this is me and I'm not afraid at all. Not even a little bit. A little little nervous because, well, obviously. But Mm -hmm. afraid? No, no, not frightened. And um, I mean, all the thirst is on display. And I'm so proud of her in this scene because. That's a lot of damn thirst. And that's that's putting it straight up. And that's why she got a kiss in the moment. Because you can't get more direct than that in the 19th century. Where she's like, look, this is what I want. So, um, and Anne was like, okay, let me just close these blinds real quick. Let mm-hmm. me just, let me do my muscle memory and check that no haters of Halifax are looking to talk that shit. Okay, now let's get to the kiss. And what a fucking process this was. A great was process, cute. but a nice, slow, yeah. romantic process. I think half of the process put Ann Walker back into the throes because I feel like, like since, since the paper knife, since, you know, oh, the gondola. She's like, give me this kiss, please. I need it right now. I need to have it. What's going on? And so as Ann is doing things in the Ann way because she's a fucking charmer, she's fucking, well, actually, let me yeah, break it down. Like we, we get some of the napes, you know, I keep calling it napes for Naples. The na- it's like noses near the napes of the neck sort of and it's like uh we get some hand kisses hand kisses and uh 
you know, it is like this fluttery. I feel like they're playing like this score underneath it all to kind of like show that, yes, it's this wonderful, intimate, private moment that's being shared. And, we're... and I just like the way the two actors play it because they play it very differently. But I feel like for each character individually, but I feel like the way they do it is appropriate to the characterization because, I mean, Anne just caught up and no one can convince to me that she's not caught up in this moment in the Chaumiere. And I will reference diary things that I feel like codify what I'm saying. But I honestly feel like, like I said before, with the context of all the women that she's been with and flirted with, and especially with Veer being the last experience, that this has got to be beyond thrilling and shocking for Ann Lister, considering the toils, the toils of the grubble and the directness of it actually, versus like the innuendo and yeah. euphemisms and things that would be said in conversation or references to poems or Sappho, whatever the fuck. And now you have a girl that's totally different. And it's not because I think, and I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day, I don't think Veer was ever intentionally malicious to Anne, like say Mariana, who I believe she was intentionally malicious at times. I think she could be a bit selfish or a bit self-concerned from her perspective and just short-sighted about how the interaction she was having with Anne would ultimately hurt her in a really intense way. Because if you're just looking at yourself and what's going on for you and you're not considering how your actions are hurting other people, then you can be a callous freak. Yeah. And you know, Vera would go back and forth with Anne and get upset when Anne would withdraw her affections due to the perceived hopelessness of the situation, where she'd be like, okay, we're never gonna, this is never gonna happen, so I need to pull back for safety. And then Vera would play these games where she's like, I, I don't, like we said before, no one wants to be out of the light of Anne Lister's attention. And even though that was a completely, mostly, entirely self selfish act where Veer's concerned, I feel like that she genuinely, you know, was very fond of Anne Lister. And I feel like Sally Wainwright and, so, and some of the historians at the very least agree with my interpretation because of how it was shown on the show. That, mm. spoiler, we see Veer again. I'll just say that. Oh. And, you know, um, I'm not necessarily mad at it. The way I'm maybe mad at Mariana when <laughs> we see her again, because, well, that's just going to be my Mariana energy until the, the end of the show, possibly the end of time. But yeah, it's an interesting contrast with the two types of women that's being showed. And I don't know what people think. I'm not sure if the historians have said specifically, you know, whether or not they think Veer was queer or straight. But I know Helena Whitbread has said, we were talking about that tweet she sent a while ago, where she was like, she was under the impression that the majority of women and got into entanglements with were straight and that, you know, she was able to seduce them or whatever. And then they went back to their heterosexual lifestyles. Perhaps. I'm not of that thought entirely. I do believe that Veer was a straight woman, but I think that largely has to do with the fact that she didn't get to the grubbles. That's really what it comes down to, because Mrs. Barlow, they got to the grubbles. Other women, to the grubbles. Veer, no grubbles. And there was a lot of attention there. And so I feel like if she was on the precipice of queerness, she would have at least engaged in the grubbles, even if she regretted it later or pretend like it didn't happen or was like, we can't do this. This is condemned by God or whatever the fuck. But that just, that's not... That's not something that happens. And so I think Veer is just one of those people who conflates adoration with sexual attraction because they know that sexual attraction is happening on the other side. Yeah. Like that Six Feet Under characterization I told you about where Claire meets a girl in college who she looks, she essentially looks up to. She thinks he's really cool, you know, pretty. And there's that thing where it's like, okay, could this turn into something? And all of the interactions and body language and everything happening is indicating that this could be something romantic. But when they finally get to, we're about to fuck, it doesn't, it just, yeah. right. And so you can't, sometimes for some people, they they don't know, they can't tell. Right. It's a failure to launch right at the, the right on the tarmac, right on the. 
It's like what I heard a uh, con- uh, conversation, an old interview with Natasha Leon, who's straight, but she's played a lot of gays. Amazingly so. And she was asked, like, have you ever slept with a woman? And she, her answer was basically like, of course, I'm not an idiot. Right, I'm, just not, I'm just not gay. I'm just not gay. And I wish more heteros would have that energy. Just like, oh, yeah, that, that's not that's not what's happening for me. But yeah. And so I think that's that's the situation we're dealing with overall with Veer, that she is one of those women, but that Mrs. Barlow, on the other hand, was queer, and so was Ann Walker, and so was Isabella Norcliffe, obviously, and so was Mariana, problematic as fuck, but absolutely queer. And I feel like people need to remember that there's a lot of gays men, and there's a lot of lesbian women, and there's also just a lot of queer people in general who don't fit into those two categories. And in fact- the data seems to point to bisexuals, pansexuals being the larger amount of both two groups combined. And so it is very likely that actually Ann Lister was running into people on the queer spectrum. If you want to use the Kinsey scale, maybe that bitch was just a two. You know, feeling attraction, feeling curiosity, but just not able to go the full Monty for whatever fucking reason, psychologically or otherwise. And so I forget the point of why I was saying that. Uh, oh, I think you were just talking about how... Likely that these figures were definitely queer, but maybe not full blown or. I just wish people would stop trying to polarize sexuality. Right. right. Like, it seems like when people are talking about Ann Lister's women, they're trying to polarize them. Well, they were straight or they were lesbians. And it's like, well, that's not how sexuality works. And certainly not queerness. And so, come on. Must we say this? No, I don't. I don't. And here's the other thing, too. If you got a grubble, like we said before, if you got a grubble and you liked it, isn't that put you on the queer spectrum? Like, <laughs> that's not gay for pay because you weren't getting paid. So. What is that defined as? I don't know. I mean, if you took a ride on the Lister, I mean, I don't know what you would call it. But I, I mean, mean, in general, you versus I the people who are like, I do it for money. That people who focus less on identity and more on pleasure won't mind where the pleasure is coming from. Oh, too true. <laughs> that's a good way that's a good way to end this little segment because i agree i don't have anything more to say about it but that's abs- that's actually how i would look at it intensely because humans are complicated emotional creatures and far less polarized than everyone seems to think we are all right so we're still in this motherfucking show meow and we haven't even got we haven't even gotten to the kiss yet okay so thorough dehydration is the only way to describe the situation because It's like you have Anne who's back and she's on her romantic jaunty. You know, she's taking her time. And I don't know. I have two ideas about how I think she approaches the kiss. For one, I think she's a learned gay for sure and practiced in the way of making a woman feel good and special. And I believe that's on display in this scene for sure. But it's also like she's taking care, like she's being delicate. She's being tender and slow. And it's just like in such an excellent first kiss for a baby gay. Honestly, like if you're just going to give a baby gay a first kiss, like this is the way to do it. The Ann Lister way. And um, I don't know. I think it's partly or largely because of the anticipation because Ann Walker has suffered so much anticipation already. And here she is. Like, she just put it out there. She's like, come on, come on, come on. She knows it's going to happen. And Ann Lister's still like, got to take my time. Got to do this. But I didn't tell you to take your time. I told you to kiss me. Um, I feel like Ann Walker's face is a bit pornographic (laughs) with how desperate she is for that fucking kiss. And I, it's an interesting way to interpret it because on the one hand, there's stuff and Ann Walker's suffering. But on the other hand, it's, I got a vibe from Ann Lister when she was kissing the wrist and hand. And that to me said, I want to kiss you everywhere. Like that's how I read into it, even though she was taking her time where Ann Walker was like, God, 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 what is taking so long? But Ann Lister was like, let me just show you. It's kind of like, um, what's the word I want to look for? 
Uh, yeah, I was getting like last first kiss vibes where it's like this. I would I want this to be the last first kiss that I have in my life. Like I want you to just be by my side and forever. Sense. I mean, knowing me, if I had to, if I knew my next kiss was going to be the very last first kiss I would have, I would probably be dramatic about it as well. Yeah. So outside of like the desire and all that stuff from, you know, the endless drive, I just feel like she's also basking in the um, the thirst and desire that's literally ebbing off of Ann Walker because mm-hmm. it's ebbing. It's you could see it. It's like aura vapors. So dewy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad you said dewy. And really, Ann, Ann Lister, that is, frets so much in her diaries about whether or not women really like her or, you know, if, if they truly want her versus, oh, is this politeness? Because that's just something all the time. She meets a new woman and she's like, ah, I made up to her. I think she really likes me. I think I think we could be friends and then more than friends. But that's obviously very important to her. And for Ann Walker's part, I feel like she's in total sensory overload because they do that kind of head nuzzle thing. Kind of remind me of like lions, but hotter than lions. Because, you know, well, it's like, yeah. it was like, and it's fucked up because you know what happens there? Like you said, the nape. The smell of the nape is different than other smells in the body. It's mm-hmm. a very intimate smell. And in yes. that moment, and Walker again is like, bitch, I can smell your neck. And Alyssa's like, I can smell your neck. But they're having two different reactions right now. And Walker's like, oh my God, bitch. And literally, literally, she is doing like a miming situation. Like, you know, when you're in the mirror and you put your head over here, someone puts their hand over there. That's her. Yeah. And Lister's like, let me go over here and like just be near your shoulder. She's like, kiss. And she's like, okay, let me, the nape. And she's like, kiss. Like she keeps trying to find the face. And she's uh-huh. like, come on, come on, come on. And um, it's cute. It's adorable to watch. Really and truly. And then after the kisses that say like, I want to kiss you everywhere. Because again, that's the vibe I get. Because how you going to go? Why go through the extra stuff? Why go through it unless you're trying to send a message? And Ann Lester is not above sending a motherfucking message. I was trying to talk until like the word occurred to me that I was trying to say. It has not occurred to me yet. You know what it was? Extolment. That's what it was. I felt like extolment was happening of Ann Walker's body by Ann Lister in that way that can be both very sweet and very sensual with intent behind it. And that intent for me was going to kiss you everywhere. It finally came back. I was like, okay, right. That's what I was thinking. Extolment. And so I think that if Ann Walker would have had a paper knife, she'd have snapped that shit like a Thanos (laughs) snap. It would have, it would have disintegrated into molecules. She would have snapped that shit so hard the sheer gay stress that was happening for her. (sighs) Ah, And they finally kiss. After lots of caressing and things and suspense, it finally happens. And it's so sweet. I read somewhere someone called it chaste. I was like, chaste is something without (laughs) romantic feelings. That was not chaste. That was full of hunger, but also holding back, which is nice. A nice thing. Yes. And then from here, we leave the scene. And I believe we're at Marion. Oh, yeah. So if it's Marion, it is uh, John and uh, Eugenia. I keep saying Eugenia, right? Eugenie. Fuck you. I almost and choked just now. Every time you say Eugenia, I'm going to be fucked up. Trying to justify, you know, this newfound love that has bloomed and blossomed. Mm, mm, mm. And, you know. <laughs> Eugenia. No, please continue. And it's like, well, how? Uh, there's no way. I, I, I'm single. You guys are not married. This doesn't, no. No, this is not how it works. Um, you work at different parts that. No, <laughs> this, she's like you. She's like one of y'all's an inside bitch. One of y'all's an outside bitch. Like, That's not how uh, this works. Th- you don't. What? You gotta talk to Anne. This is a class. There's a 
They're like, you talk to Ann. There's she's like, levels oh, so to this. I'm going to be the messenger that gets shot, bitch. That's what that's what y'all trying to do. And they're like, yes, basically, we're scared of Ann Lester. You're related to her, so she won't murder you. She'll just yell. There's probably some eye rolling. Who knows? Um, I'm pretty sure it ends with Marion being like, John, I didn't know you knew any French. And he's like, where? <laughs> that's the only, that's the only, that's the only word he knows. And then from there, we are back at Cronest and... Anne and Anne are walking through the door and Thirsty Anne is talking about how this has basically been the best day ever. <laughs> and <laughs> of course it has. And then we hear Anne Lister make that mention um, that we talked about in the historical nightcap of is this Anne the Walker calling call? on her aunt. Yeah. Right. So that's why I brought it up because, well, now you see. <laughs> it was all chivalrous and whatnot. And the whole scene is fucking goddamn cute because you can tell they're both on cloud nine. And I mean, after making out for who knows how long in that Chaumier, who wouldn't be? You know, so naturally Ann Lister is ready to take shit to the next level because we know that's how this bitch is. She has a little piece, a little piece of fun. <laughs> and she's like, next level. Wifey, is that? That's the next level. Oh, is this when she's like, uh, would you, could you come for dinner and then stay tonight? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, only because uh, there was a level of, I don't want to use the term ferocity, but... No, there it's, was. Uh, it's, there's a ferocity. <laughs> there's a ferocity like, to be uh, said. There is a trap. <laughs> um the just i mean we've talked about endlessly so far about ann walker's thirst but my god yes this is, <laughs> right this okay. is so great to watch this is so fucking great and ann's and lister's reaction to that shit when they finally get in the room and she's like yeah yeah you're coming for dinner that's cool that's cool let me close the door and stay all night <laughs> and ann gets this smile like bitch <laughs> holy shit there's a line in her in her diaries where she's basically like, I, I'm pretty sure I could go all the way with this woman. She <laughs> let me do anything to her body. This is around those times, those parts where she's like, I think I, I think I think this girl will let me do anything to her. And so I feel like the way Saran Jones plays that smile, that is just such a gay smile. It's just it's so wonderfully gay. She's like, honestly, if I go off the chart of veer, I am not to get to the grubbles for another three months, <laughs> three to four months, and you're you're asking me. After one fucking day in the show, yeah, if I can stay all night. That's what I call progress, people. That's what I call progress. And so after Anne smiles real big and she's like, holy shit. She's brought back to reality. She's like, are you sure? Are you you sure? Because this might be the vapors talking. And I just want to make sure that it's you talking. But she don't say shit. She just gives those come hither. Know what I mean? Those come hither eyes. And uh, Anne Walker is like, come hither and I will show you how sure I am. Anne Lister. And Ann Lister's like, hither I come. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and, and I'm come sorry. somebody maybe I've did. kept many bad puns away from this podcast, and yet that one just came out. Okay, but, you know, it's, it's, it, we get to make our sesh. It's, it's <laughs> nice. It's it is. Nice well, at. it's also with the muscle memory, again, because this is a constant thing. And unfortunately, queer people of the modern age have not been able to do away with this thing that says, look behind you. Look next to you. Is somebody watching? why are they watching what do their faces look like are you safe is it okay right. yeah but this is just it's a constant thing it's unfortunate like with those girls in england who were recently attacked for just being two girlfriends out in public holding hands so this is a very real concern and it's kind of sad that Anne has to keep doing this and and lister but it's necessary meanwhile Anne walker she the throws she the vapor she don't give a fuck she's like is somebody out the window i don't give a fuck Somebody she watching, is I don't definitely care. living life without fear, and you know what? Living to la vida be, to loca. be young and without worry—it's—it's—it's it's it's so cute to be the young is. gay without worry. 
and you have that ominous feeling like here comes the world, here comes the patriarchy <laughs> to destroy all of her fun feels. But in this episode, Anne Walker doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I'm a grubble, I'm a get my O's and no one is going to stop me. And girl, I appreciate that I'm shit. I'm a landed lady. I got money in the bank. <laughs> Bitch. Um, everybody's just hating. Everybody's just, these are the haters of Halifax. That's what the we call them. haters of Halifax, yeah. yes. So I'm going to just assume that the snogging lasted all afternoon into the week. It should have. Did you see the way Ann Walker was pulling her in? She's like, I'll let you approach me. But once you're here, I got to pull you in. I got to hold the neck. I got to caress. Right, She's 90, all about the shits. Oh, let me stop yelling. So now we're back at Shimpton. Yes. <laughs> after we transitioned from the making out. Hours of the night. Well, we'll say it's. It's well, after dark. It's after dark. It's 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 the evening. It's Yeah. So so actually, what you were saying, clearly they were making out all day. Because where yeah. the fuck was Anne? We know she wasn't fucking with the man because they would have known where she was. She was making out. Has it been six hours already? <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had chapstick in the 19th century. Oh. Mm. Uh, well, mm. natural chapstick. You know what? Let me stop. That's devolving into dirty <laughs> jokes. Okay, so... <laughs> so and and like sneaks in. I'm oh, well, sorry. not really I'm sneaks sorry. in. It's the time. This is what happens when we stay too late. I blame you when I should blame myself for the wild horses tangent. But uh, so what's the? I don't know what she said. She's probably something like, "Where have you been? You know, I've had half a mind to send servants out." To, she to says hunt she was down. at Lightcliff, which is important because Lightcliff becomes an issue later in the episode when uh, Booth. <laughs> Booth is like, let me go to Lightcliff to retrieve Anne. Oh, she's not there? Interesting. Oh, yeah. So she tells Marion that she, oh, I was only at Lightcliff. And it's like, mm-hmm, only at Lightcliff. It's kind of obscure mention, but we know it means more than that. And Marion is just too through. She's like, it's late. Any kind of vagrants of bagots. I don't know if she actually says bagots. She's and like, anyone she, could have gotten you. She tells the service to like, uh, shut, shut, the door's like, I'm guessing there's like, shut the estate down or whatever. Oh, right, lock up. Yeah. Lock the doors. Yeah, I was like, what the? <laughs> Lower, the, raise the drawbridge? Like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Raise the bridge. Right. No one can pass here. But yeah, so that was a thing too. I guess stealing or vagrancy or violence. But honestly, if I was a peasant bitch living in Halifax. And I, I was hungry. I would right. Be, right. If I was hungry, I needed a meal. I would be doing crimes. It's like the thing, be gay, do crimes. That would be me. Like, I'm here to do a crime. Oh, and so after Marion is yelling at her, well, no, she stays yelling. And then she goes up to see her aunt and Marion is left outside the door. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yelling. Uh, she's just... Uh, they always argue in uh, They always argue She seems to just want to throw the issues into Endless's face. It's like, but it's seven. that sibling energy because yeah. later on the episode, Anne does the same shit. Like, Marion could have stopped because she's like, you're ridiculous. You're unbelievable. You're impossible. And every time she says that, Anne's like, okay, yeah, I know. I'm right. That's that's fine. Okay. And so she keeps going because she like she wants a reaction. She wants, she's like, God, can't you just do what I need you to do? And then later that episode, when she's freaking out, Anne, this is the one being antagonistic, like, oh, are you going to get married right now? Right now you're going to do it? Are you, are you sure? Because, okay, well, better. And it's like, that was that was unnecessary. And that's why Marion later on ends up off to Market Wheaton because she's like, fuck this shit. I'm leaving. Probably because she half knew that she was going to fuck up her date. She's like, you know what? I know why you need me here to be with Aunt Anne while you're out here grubbling. So how about this? I'm going to go to Market Wheaton and you're not going to be able to grubble for two whole days, bitch, or three. Three whole days. However many days. I it mean, was. that was a love blow. It was. That was. That it was. was How you gonna try to get in the way of somebody's grubbles? <laughs> That's rude. And then so after she basically slams the door on Marion, 
who I think before she slams the door, she says something about, you know, whilst you're living here, can you just fucking be considerate? And it's interesting that Anne pauses in that moment because her leaving was always a thing, leaving Shibden. And it's like in that moment, she thinks for a second, like, yes, it does make sense that I would always leave and just be here temporarily like I always am. And early in her diary, she muses about just living elsewhere, secluded, and just like living out her life there, not necessarily at Shibden. Right. And so I feel like she takes that moment to pause to ponder for a second because she's, as she goes in to talk to her aunt later and she talks about the developments with Miss Walker, maybe it really dawns on her in that moment that she's like, oh, I actually will be here for a while. Like, because everything, if everything keeps going according to plan, I'm going to be here for life <laughs> with my wife. So that was something interesting. But then she goes up um, or she goes in to see her aunt and they talk about stuff. And I love this scene. I mean, I've already said I love all the scenes between Aunt Anne and Anne Lister, but this is another one of the heart to hearts. And like how the diaries imply that she definitely was the most open and honest with her aunt. And here, I mean, she's she's on her gush shit. She's like, oh, nothing's been decided, but she's gushing. She's like, I'm talking to Ann Walker and she's confiding in me and all these things are happening. And I don't know, what if she might make for a companion for life? And like, you know, with me. <laughs> um, no, this is when uh, and tells her, you know, this is like the not, the ideal pairing, you know, if you were. After she asks if she's vulgar. Well, Anne Lister asks if she's vulgar because she's basically like, well, you're older. And Anne's like, that's true. What? And, and or Aunt Anne is like, what, are you guys intellectually matched? Like, won't that be an issue? And she's like, well, if we have the same interest and, you know, we're fond of each other, does it really matter? Why is she vulgar? Because we know these snobby listers are like, well, I don't know. You can't fuck with vulgar people. And the aunt is like, no, no. I thought the aunt was. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Aunt Ann Walker is a fucking hoe. Don't invite her over for tea, for dinner. Don't do none of that. Right. It's not good. But I like that they're going like, and because Ann obviously cares what Aunt Ann thinks. thinks and so she's yeah. asking her, she's like, well, do you not think she's a good match for me? Do you, do you think she's vulgar? Do you think this? And Aunt Ann's like, no, I'm just, I want you to be happy. I'm just worried because, well, this is Halifax, bitch. People will talk. Her tribe will have something to say about this. We know by the end of the episode that parts of the tribe definitely have something to say about it. Oh, we can't leave out the fact where Aunt Ann Walker's like, where y'all gonna live? And Ann Lister's at, she's like, at Shibden, duh. And she's like, Shibden, I don't know. Crow Nest is elegant as fuck. And Ann is like, Shibden could be elegant. Like, have you not seen my renovation plans? Have you not seen what I've been right, up to? Exactly. Lower Brook Ing looks amazing right now. Did you not? No, she's no like, one... uh, Ann, my leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, you know, I can't get to Lower Brook Ing. <sighs> I asked the young the young servant boy to paint me a picture. He said it'll be done in a week to show me what the new lower brick ink looks like. But yes, you're right that after that little bit of somewhat lighthearted banter about the age difference and intellectual stuff that and Lister mentions that she is a that's what she has two thousand, two and a half thousand a year, two thousand to herself, and she's like, Wouldn't that be a prudent match? I mean it's money, it's bread. At the base of what we're looking for in partnerships, especially in these times, is someone who can add to the family's status or money in some way. And that's when Aunt Anne Lister is like, Well, yes, I would, if you were a man. Oh, that and hurt. Like, Fuck. That hurt. Ah, damn. And says that line, nature played a challenging trick on me, didn't she? Putting a bold spirit like mine into this vessel in which I'm obliged to wear frills and petticoats and refuse to be cowed by it. And then she's basically like, shame on them. And shame on them indeed. Shame on them, Anne. And the conversation ends with Anne saying that if you gotta be happy, sometimes you have to risk getting hurt. And don't worry about the haters of Halifax because they can't touch me. <sighs> 
Such a strong, strong woman. And then we're off to the kitchen or somewhere where accordingly is talking about John Booth and his family's tragic story. I guess since uh, there's, I guess they're saying it. Oh, what's happening? They're mm. like making breakfast or something, right? Like they're cooking. I, or... feel like, I feel like there was a fire. I feel like it's in the evening. I don't remember them cooking, but I feel like it's been a, there's a fiery situation. Like it's not like it's wherever the servants go that to chill room, <laughs> but not the other civilized chill room. And accordingly, he's talking about his dead wife, his dead baby mama, who evidently died giving birth to the youngest girl, and that it's been hard for him Aww. and sad. And I suppose that is sad, but this engagement is still a mess. So there's that. But we are told a little bit more about John Booth's backstory and given reasons to empathize with this ridiculous wedding idea that he started. And to be sure, he's trying to be a good man, a decent man, but you know. Just the concept of these types of marriages is always kind of shitty to me in those times because, well, it is. It just is. Maybe for him, it's less shitty because he likes her. He thinks she's attractive. Of course he would. But for Eugenie, who doesn't know what anyone's saying except for Ann Lister, for the most part, that shit, I don't know. Breakfast with the Listers. And so if breakfast is set up the way I remember it, it's Anne reading. <laughs> and, uh... And so Ma- reading, so Marion's angry that she's reading. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure you weren't reading when you were over at the uh, Isabella. The, uh, she Mariana. named a few people, right? No, she named the top three. <laughs> she went through three fucking exes, and by the time she gets to the third ex, which is Veer, that's when Anne is like, "Bitch, fine, I'm gonna close my book because you are showing out right the fuck now." And that's probably why she got bitchy with her late in the conversation because she was like, "Are you gonna show out me, bitch? You gonna call my exes like that?" Really? Really? That's what you're going to do? Fine. Cool. Cool, Marion. Cool. 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 But really, that wasn't her problem. Her problem was the issue of last night. The fact that Anne came home late, irresponsibly, as far as she's concerned, and didn't apologize or didn't, you know, just she was like, bye. She called herself riding uh, Anne out to her parents. But her dad was like, look, I mean, doesn't she always come home late? What? I don't think she was ratting. I don't think she was ratting them out because we have to remember that this thing has been going on for a while. So it's more so... I think the family dynamic, which is Marion bitching and not giving a fuck. Captain Lister barely hearing anything. We're like, well, 10 years ago, Anne did this. And Aunt Anne just trying to be like, oh, girls, can we just, <laughs> can we right. just, y'all gonna fight all the time. You've been fighting since you were 15. Right. So that's never gonna stop. So I don't think that he's like, they, they just poor. <laughs> Anne Lister does agitate the shit out of Marion though. She really fucking does. And she actually says, well, before we get there, we'll, we'll talk about the flashback because you just brought up Captain Lister and how as Marion is bitching about, well, you know, it was late and you're wearing the servants and Anne is like, but they're my servants. She's like, our, the servants, the uh-huh. servants. So she's like, oh, so that's she's what like, this, so this is about. This is about, this is about the, this is about, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I see what it's about. The inheritance, what it's always about. And that's true. In the diaries, it was consistently them fighting about Shibden Holm. But Captain Lister's like, oh, I remember. I remember, what was it, a while ago that I went into a, um, what does he say, uh, a boarding house. And Anne was playing cards and smoking and shit with some uh, vagrants. Well, he calls them reprobates. Okay. So vagrants. Because remember how they are. They're snobby. And so he's not okay. as snobby as Anne, but I feel like they're like there are these class structures and whatever yeah. the fuck. And so he basically he says reprobates from the thirty third, I believe. Okay. In a boarding house. And I'm like, boarding house? Sounds like they were probably ladies of the night. And so I'm just I'm just I would love just a little mini series of that. Like what 
what was Anne doing in those times when she was clearly dressing more masculine, which is she cool. was. And it she had like, the low pony. She did. And that was hot. I liked it. And she was smoking. <coughs> she was taking dude's money. She was like, look, oh, you know, she was winning. You don't you know, know how to play. You, you don't know how to play this game. <laughs> Whatever. She was like, bitch, give me that. That's mine. <laughs> great. Cause I, I mean, and that would have been great too, because at that time, potentially we were in that window where she was still reliant upon her parents for money. And that was not a cool time for her where she's just like, okay, I don't have anything of my own. And at different points in the diary, she would try to have these schemes to make money. And so it isn't outside of the realm of, of reason that Anne would gamble to get a little bit of extra coinage. And the way she starts choking on the cigarillo, whatever the fuck she's smoking, is hilarious and joyous. I, I'm pretty sure there was probably bad women there. No one can convince me that you have a boarding house with a bunch of fucking soldiers who are like lower level soldiers, potentially, and there's no bad There had women, to be some course. loose women there. Oh, there was definitely they had loose to women. Existed. <laughs> Beware pickpockets and loose women. They were actually probably loose women there picking pockets yep. because it's two for two. And what is Anne's response? Oh, that was some years hence. <laughs> that was some years hence, bitch. Why are you bringing that shit up? Oh my gosh. So after we get that incredibly jaunty, Hot flashback into card playing Anne, which again, slight request to see more of that. We are back into their fighting and eventually Marion says my favorite line that she says the entire show. And I have said it several times since to other people in life. You are sowing the winds hourly, daily, minute by minute, and you will reap the harvest. Like that is such a wonderful way to tell someone they're pissing you the fuck off. And they have been for a long time. It is eloquent. It is nice. It sounds nice. But also delivery was so melodramatic that I just was like, I fucking love Marion. She storms off. And that's when they do the banter about like, oh, I'll get married and then you'll see. And Anne's right. like. <laughs> that Mary don't bother me. Oh, well, then I'll have a child and it'll be a boy. Well, she was like, are you gonna do that right now? Because, you know. Time, time's a ticking, like, you know, spring chicken. Because that's where, because Marion left. She walked out the room and Anne got that comment about, well, you know, time's ticking, you know, spring chicken. Right. Then she came back and she was like, oh, all right, bitch. Well, guess what? I'm going to have a kid too. How about that? And then one day he's going to be the heir. And she's like, oh, you're going to have a baby despite me? That's that's cute. Well, I hope you marry someone that's 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 worthy of being a Lista. And that's what she's like. He won't be a Lista. And that bothers Anne. Officially yeah, and truly. That, that bothers me too. I mean, the patriarchy bothers me. The rules about who gets to take whose name. So, yeah. And then from there, where are we? Oh, she's packing her stuff to go stay and leave and... What are you talking about packing her stuff? Mary don't pack nothing. No, the servants she, are... She went to where the servants were. And <laughs> she said, you pack it. Right. You do that. Yeah. Go in my drawers, grab my knickers. I'm going to Market Wheaton. And then from there, we have Anne arriving to check on the men. Working on her property... And she says hi to a bunch of dudes, including Thomas, and then gets to, what, this Thomas there? Well, she eventually gets to Daddy Soudan, which is the only name that she says with obvious disdain. Because she's like, oh, just random. David, John, Billy, Soudan. <laughs> That's how she says his name when she sees him. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, she doesn't like him. And why should she? This is an interesting thing because the, the sequence of events and how quickly Anne moves, it's basically like how she walks. Because she sees him and she's like, oh, he's got to be drunk. And she starts talking to the old dude about it. And she's like, so what's up with this? 
is he always like this? And the old dude's like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> we need the card. And he's, she's like, drunk. Is he drunk? Because I can't have him working like this. You need to say something or I will. And before the guy can even get out a half a word, she's like, I'll do it. And just walks over to be like, hey, Salden, what the fuck? What you doing? You, you got to go, actually, because I can't have you working here like this. And, you know, somebody can go over here and talk to this other dude because apparently only one other dude has a cart. Because that's basically, I think yeah, there's some exchange where he's like, well, guy. we have the cart. Yeah. And she's like, well, can we get another cart from somebody? He's like, what well, does one other dude? one of the two with a cart maybe we could borrow that cart and so she basically tells his ass to go home and for Thomas to take him home but he is a dick causes a scene and probably because he's a drunk asshole after he's sent home says the most predictable but ridiculous insult to do to a person like Anne because obviously it's not fresh I mean she threatened to evict him and his family (laughs) so he was feeling pretty salty he's losing a day's worth of wages and now he's being told because of his lack of respect um, oh when he was doing all that he was already in the cart at that point and then the other, the, you know, the the guy, the supervisor I'm going to call him on the field was like you go with them you get that man home like Keep it, keep it. He was like, what is he saying? Keep it respectful or keep it professional. No, keep it something like keep it PG, keep it classy. Yeah. He initially is taking issue with and suggesting he's drunk and being like, well, she's trying to tell me this and And then starts getting like, well, like a belligerent drunk, physical, violent, loud. And that's when the old dude and Tom's like, let's just fucking go, man. Let's fight. He's like, you know what you are? You know what you are? Right. A lady in a frock. But eventually Tom does take him or Thomas does take him off. And Anne is just looking at him like his existence is forfeit and calls him an idiot as he is rolled away. Yeah, but it's yeah. Yeah. She says it under her breath mostly. But I mean, yes, he was behaving in that moment. Definitely like an idiot. He was not intelligent to argue with your boss. Right. About your sobriety when someone like Anne could very easily tell whether or not you were sober and everyone else on the job was like, bro, you know, you always drink. Like, let's just stop. His own son was just like, please, please. And we need this money. Like, mm -hmm. don't fuck it up. We need this money. We need this tenancy. (laughs) I love where we live. Mm -hmm. Don't want to give that up. Well, he's like, I love that we have a roof over our heads. I don't even even know the the house that flies, just that enables his family to eat and have a place to stay. And that's kind of the thing back in those days. And I think from here, we're on to gossiping Captain Lister, who's waiting in the room with Jeremiah Rawson. So it's just basically like saying, oh, I was surprised that someone actually took you up on on your offer, you know, seeing as it's, you know, such a steep price. And she's like, well, you'll you'll come to find that um, I've actually done a, a, a bit extra research on Cole since the last time we spoke. And uh, uh, she read additional books. And you'll find that it'll be quite, uh, it'll be even more challenging to deal with me in regards to Cole. Just, just because, you know, I'm now fascinated by it. So, Well, he uses the term reasonable. He said, mm-hmm. I thought you'd be more reasonable. And okay. she's like, oh, do you mean softer? And he's like, no, more reasonable, madam. And mm-hmm. possibly because Jeremiah is less of a dick than Christopher, but... I think he's just shook of his brother. And he's like, I just, I wanted you to be reasonable for me. So I didn't have to deal with my brother, but okay, great. She says that line. Ah, well, you know me better. And the fucking shit eating grin on her fucking face when she says that shit. I love it. She's like, well, now you know me better. And then she does a little quick maths, like last episode where she's mm-hmm. like, threepence halfpenny per cough or whatever the fuck. Destroying petticoats still across the continents. And, um, and she says, not only will you agree to this price for me to consider you as the, you know, 
the well she didn't say that she was like i don't give a fuck she basically this is a tldr she was like i said what i said but i don't give a fuck either way <laughs> <laughs> like that's it she's like i said what i said to you before i don't care because you could take the deal or not bitch i'm good either way so i gotta go bye but you just so you're aware if if you will make an offer you'll include in that offer on on the deed that i get to uh go to the pits and see for myself What's a little going addendum on down there. that she adds right. on the end there. That I get to see for myself what's going on down there. And uh, he's like, you know, that's, that's a little bizarre or odd to kind of say in a in an agreement, like in a contract to say that you get to visit. Why, why would you even want to go? I mean, it's dirty work, Cole, ma'am. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, well, it fascinates me. It fascinates me. Oh, we didn't mention that um, Captain Lister in the beginning was trying to gossip about... Marion and Anne and their fight. And he's like, I don't know what they're fighting about. Oh, wait, it came back to me. But before he can even tell his fucking story, Anne barges in, probably because she heard him out there. And she's like, mm-hmm. Daddy, stop talking. What I tell you about telling our business to the streets? And then, uh, yeah, first thing he goes is, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your falling out with your sister. Oh, me and my sister don't fight. <laughs> she did say that. She's like, me and my sister fight? Never. No. No way. That's not, that's ridiculous. Oh, by the way, um, uh, Half of the installment will be paid up front when we sign the deed, and the other half uh, will be at the end of the year. Uh, you have 10 years to get as much coal as you need out. If the job's not done by then, there is an option to double, to lease again you for an additional five years. You can lease again for five years, years. <laughs> yeah. She had all her ducks in a row. Beware a woman that reads books. Oh, we're actually at Thomas being abused by his father in oh, addition to the happen. mom so, is a pretty horrible scene yeah it's a nice little farm it's lots of lots of sows lots of pigs uh How you describe it as nice I, I describe it as smelly even though i can't smell it oh, i feel I'm, like oh, I can smell I, it's, it. i'm sure it's supposed to smell um you see uh one of the little girls throwing it looks like a uh, week old cabbage into the into the pen so that they could all just sort of eat all that expired and decayed food uh is that the mom that's on the crutch on a cane? Cause she well, approaches the cart. I don't think she's on a cane, but she, no, she there's a had woman a walking. She had an assisting tool. What with if, her. But what if it was a farm tool? Cause that bitch got to work. It could have been a farm. I don't, tool. because but in the future was, episodes, I don't recall someone. I don't recall her having any kind of disability. Okay. So it was probably just like a hoe fatigue or, a kind or of thing, maybe. something like that. Or, or fatigue. <laughs> I'm like, she was probably raking, even though there was nothing to rake out there. But yes, like, that's definitely the mother. She's like, what the hell are you doing back? I thought you said the job you went on was going to be on for Bitch, at least a week. Bitch, we need those fucking pens. Right. Like, <laughs> we, we need the pens. You're drinking our food money. And so we need to replace that. And so the oh son's business saying the like, same well, thing. You know, yeah, we do. And the job isn't done. Because basically the father's like, oh, yeah, well, it's whatever's done. And he's like, the job ain't done. I'm going to go back and take the cart. And then... Like, the hell you are. No, you're not. <laughs> Go make me look bad by looking decent and shit. He was doing I his shy LeBeau. Right. <laughs> I Do raised you know a what decent I feel child. Like? <laughs> Do you know what it feels like to have to take a paycheck from your son? <laughs> God, he's such a dysfunctional daddy. And then it's he gets like, super violent. You, I don't even think the blonde kid is related to not. him. It's just another worker. He dragged the blonde kid out of the car like, you get the fuck out of here, you little bitch. And then fucking Thomas is like, hey, my friend. And then he starts, like, Thomas hits him. And you're like, okay, this is how it is. And 
I have to read into the fact that Thomas has obviously endured a lifetime of abuse under his father. Yes. And because he's tall enough now and big enough now, as what can happen with a lot of people, he can now fight back. And so he's like, I'm going to hit you because this this expectation of physicality and violence is already here. And so I'm going to pop you before you pop me. But unfortunately, because his daddy, but he he's gets also playing up. the cool, the, the, he's playing in his tool belt. So there's like a, a fear thing that his father just, it's like his bag, like the bag of tricks to keep your kids in line. Like, so the, oh, absolutely, there's fear because when you've been abusing this, a child, yeah. of course they experience fear, and at moments they're gonna experience courage, like when Thomas hits him in the face. But then, yeah. in the next second or two, he's it being choked away. out, right? Yeah. And he's just saying, "Please, please stop!" And the mother's screaming, "Please stop!" Everyone's upset. And she she eventually up gets a, bag a bucket, or a basket, <laughs> a bucket, <laughs> a, a bag know. of misandry, and right. hits him on the head with it. And not, he, not hard enough. Not hard enough. And she should grab the poker. I was hoping that he would have missed her, but no, the, no, the blow her. connected. He got her. He connected. That's when I. He start, was hitting everyone. I he hit Thomas. Red. He hit the neighbor kid. There was another kid around there. But yeah, at that point, like if that's that. Thomas's mother, even if you're not married, that's the mother of your child. So I'm. There was. I was all the way not okay with anything. Yeah, no. It was he was all talking bad. about some like oink or whatever, or like squeal piggy. Oh shit! And all that yeah, stuff. Like, right. You did say that. I had issues i i mean i'm not gonna say i was regressing because uh for i was fortunate enough to not be raised uh by by a stable or or, or barn by pigs and you know having to make animal sounds to keep from being you know punked or whatever it was by uh my uh militant father but uh i was not okay i was not okay about anything that i was seeing there and then no 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 who who got in a lucky strike? There was a strike somewhere. Okay, so what it was was that after he hits her or she hits him with the bucket and there's able he turns on her and tries to get her and then he eventually picks up a fire poker. And you know that if he were to strike her with oh, that, that's yes, murder or right. just, you know, so then Maybe. another tackling happens. Another tackling something. happens from Thomas, I think. And then he tells the other boy to get the rope. Get the rope. Yeah, right. So they're on top of him. And there's another boy that appears. I think a younger one, which is like, God, look at all these babies. Right. Seeing this violence against their mother, like you piece of shit. And so they eventually hog And no one's us. crying. Right, right. This is how. Uh, because this is how regular yes. it is. This is how normalized yes. it is. That's what, that's the biggest thing I was noticing. It's like. I was not okay with how everybody was like, well, you know, just another day. Like, no, this should not be the norm. This should not be your no, everyday. No, it should not be the norm. And then imagine this and then being uh, evicted on top of it. So now you're going to be, what, uh, a thief in the night as a family? Right, And, and will right, you care right. about feeding your littlest one when you don't even care about he your wife? He doesn't care about anyone but himself. I bet he, he dumps half the family money into drink. Yes. Yes. You know they didn't fix the roof. Anne hasn't been there yet, but you know that roof ain't fixed. So fucks out him and right. he gets hogtied and the scene ends with Thomas shouting, shut your dirty mouth. And I'm like, yeah, Thomas, shut it for him. You guys don't deserve this. Fuck. Okay. And then we're back to happier times. We're back to romance at the Moss House at the Chaumiel and Anne Walker in pink. And when we open the scene, we're back to Anne and Anne and they're just arriving to the love shack. I would love like to request. Shack! <laughs> love Shack. All right, let me stop. I mean, I that was beautiful, actually. <laughs> did you like my Love Shack? I screen? did. If Thank you, you see, I faded. <laughs> if you see, I faded Moss House at the end of the road. But yeah. Um, oh my God. I'd love uh, some fan art of uh, cutting out. Remember how they drew in uh, Sandra O oh and Jodie Comer in the outfits? Of Gentleman Jack. Uh, of yeah, Gentleman they sure Jack. did. They so sure I'm going to need Jodie Comer in that pink dress. Please and thank you. Ooh. 
Is um, isn't it Makara Madness? <laughs> she was out there doing it with uh, she. I'm pretty sure she did the killing. Paging Makara Madness. Hey, yeah. Um, just a humble request. All right, <laughs> I, I, I just saw a Give really more pretty massive edits. pink dress. So if we could have Jenny okay, Coma wearing the pink. How pink was the pink? <laughs> how pink was the pink? I'm clapping. I'm sorry, but how pink was the pink? Like it's just. <sighs> I'm I'm screaming about it because I have a lot of thoughts. You know, color theory is always something that's so fun for me. And I have a bunch of books on it. And not just for artistic reasons, but I think it's very interesting to think like what past or other civilizations and ethnicities have thought about color and what it meant to them. What signified aspects of spirituality or passion and how in completely other societies or ethnicities, it was the inversion of it of what darkness means or lightness means and how people are interpreting it. And so I'm always just fascinated by color theory and using knowledge of color theory to influence the viewer or whoever's observing whatever with something. And so a little stereotypical at this point, but it totally reminded me of um, Villanelle in the pink getup when she's in Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. And when... the throws of just like filling, filling stuff for Eve because, I mean, and we heard Charlotte, the costume designer, talk about it. It was about putting Villanelle in this bubble of love. And do you see Ann Walker's motherfucking like shoulder shit? Yeah, <laughs> This dress? Yeah, Bitch! Like, what? I was like, if you put the pink mask thirst? on. Right? Are they like, okay. filled with thirst? All right? Fuck. Sorry, I'm yelling a lot, but just... I'm daydreaming. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> They're just so dressed. And what I love about this, too, is that Anne's whole getup is like a, a deep navy, which is not altogether usual because a lot of times she's in black. Black, right. And I'm just so like, this is I her just, coming out the, of her sorrow? Oh! Like, right. Anne Walker is hopeful as fuck as she should be as a baby gay in this moment. And Anne Lister, given her history, she's like, she's hopeful, but she's like tempered hopeful. Right. She's like, navy blue is all I fucking got, bitch. But I'm hoping. I am hopeful. I am dressed this way because I feel like this is the beginning of something new. And we'll get to the entry, but she totally has a line where she's like, I really did feel very in love in the hut today. And it's just like, man, doesn't it look like love? I'm sorry. Look how they come in. They come in and they might as well be married. Right, they might as well be on their honeymoon. She's like, I've got your waist. I'm spinning you. I'm kissing. Yeah, we're holding hands. We're twirling. We're doing all this shit. Like they look so happy. And it's upsetting considering what happens at the end of this episode. But, oh, uh, well, I mean, twofold, well, twofold, yeah. twofold. Let's, right. Yeah. So if we go in order, um, it's Anne Lista saying, and also I've come across a bit of bad news. Uh, had to fight my sister. Bit of a bust up. <laughs> bit of a bust up, um, man. Uh, it has nothing to do with what this what's happening now. Thus, this, what we're doing. Yes, like I want to keep this. I want to keep doing this. But as far as uh, dinner and then staying the night, I can do dinner. I cannot stay tonight. Uh, Dr. Kenny will be coming over to look after my aunt because um, will Marian, Dr. Kenny be coming over? Uh, well, some some doctor will. Maybe I just not fucking Kenny. hate Dr. Kenny. I, I, know, can't hate Dr. Kenny. I know. Oh, remind me before it's out to mention um, the message we got from our medical, our medically. Yes. Trained listener who had some things to say about my theory for Anne Walker's back. Thank you for writing. Thank you in. so much. But yeah, so so it's like, yeah, my sister's uh left the state and I don't want to just leave her with the servants when uh <laughs> doctor comes Mad on the property. accordingly. But yeah, yeah, uh, totally. But um but yeah, we can definitely, you know, do dinner for sure. And, and then she's like and then she goes to kiss Ann Walker because she's been trying to get the kiss in and Ann Walker's like, but hold up and stay all night. <laughs> It's the second time. I'm sorry. It's the second time in two days that she's like, so you guys can't see my face, but she's like, so bitch, like, um, 
can we get those overnight grubbles? And Anna's just, like, oh my God. <laughs> Again. Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I planned for today to be the perfect day, but it's just, you know, because of the, you know, this situation with my sister and, you know, the doctor, I have to, I have to attend to my aunt. So I won't be able to stay, but it doesn't mean I don't want to. And she's like, but I, I will come for dinner and, you know, stay a little while mm-hmm. <laughs> if you still want me. And it's like, bitch, you know, she still wants you to come. You fucking coy motherfucker. You know, thirsty fucking Ann Walker wants all of your time as much of it as she can get. And she tries to go in for another kiss again. And Ann Walker's like, skirts, before we get into our six hour makeout session, because you know how that go. It'll we'll start making out and then it'll be dusk and then the whole day's lost. I need to tell you that I got a letter and it was about you. And you're like, uh oh. SpaghettiOs. No, that's not good. I think after we do not cut back to Crow Nest right away, we actually go to Marion after this, right? The servants are taking her shit out and she's leaving and she has words uh, with her mm, aunt. Yes. And she's wearing that. I call that a Burberry styled. It uh, is Burberry. It's 19th century print, Burberry. Right. It's like, hmm. I like the colors, I guess. I was like, um, that'll make a great uh, flannel shirt one day. Oh my God, you know what I just remembered? You know what shit took me all the way out? Marion refers to Ann Lister, her sister, as Caligula. I <laughs> noticed. She referred to her as Caligula, it was so cheeky. It was and... so cheeky. She said fucking Caligula. Wow. So who again wants to disagree with me that Marion knows what Ann began up to? <laughs> She's been seeing the flirts for years, actual years. Oh, Marion. You crack me up. Oh, actually, she mentions to her aunt about the marriage. She's oh. like, you talk to Anne about it and, you know, she'll get to the bottom of it in the effortless way that she does because I'm not going to deal with it. And she mentions John Abbott, this dude who she's apparently seen in some mutually public mm. tea situation. I oh, don't and, and auntie's quick to be like, wait, isn't that the carpet? <laughs> Don't that motherfucker make carpets? She's like, don't that motherfucker make carpets? Don't he make rugs? See, right, right. If if she'd have been shadier, I'd be like, she'd be like, "Uh, is he in the carpet cleaning business? Like, no, right? Because I mean, what's the difference between cleaning carpets and and making carpets? They're like the same echelon. We know where Anne at least gets half of her snobbiness from. Textile or something, right? Like, she's like, isn't that like manufacturing? Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Oh, poor Marion. She's like, well, he's nice and I think he likes me. That's basically what she says. And I'm like, oh. Oh, she's like, wait, uh, don't tell. Oh, yeah. She's like, don't <laughs> fucking tell Anne. Because she already knows. It's like, you you should have told your aunt because your aunt's snobby as hell, too. So right. you And because her and Anne like to dish, it's like they're besties. You know how yes. you can have bestie situations? Because later in the episode, she fucking tells a hoe. And whenever she tells her, she's like, I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't supposed to do that. But you did. You wanted to gossip with your fucking niece about the fucking manufacturer motherfucker who doesn't deserve a lista. And so it's hilarious how they fucking have this conversation. And they're like planning Marion's life without her. Because why not? So we get what? This is Marion leaving the scene. Uh, then we get, oh, th- back to the letter. Oh, and dealing with the the fallout at, um, at Ann Walker's estate. So yes, Ann leaves. Right. After auntie's basically like, well, you know, Abbott exists. Don't tell. Don't tell. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, you know, so Ann Walker's telling, trying to console Alistair, who's like, you know, uh, I can't believe it. These these lies, the spreading about Oh, the gossipy letters. Yeah, she's like, I don't care what anyone says about you. I don't care who you are. 
where you're from don't what you did as long as you grab me all night all night yes as long as you grab me lord i well you know what no people should be used to this (laughs) they really should yo this scene was great i mean god i keep saying that and it's a little bit repetitive no it's a lot of bit repetitive but it's fucking awesome because some asshole sends a letter to thirsty ann imploring her to be less thirsty not knowing that that is literally impossible for Ann Walker of House Parched. And while it is a very sweet scene, it's also a sad scene because, well, let me start with the good. We get a full vision of Ann Walker's dress, which we did not get in the showmere. And it was in this scene that I was like, wow, she looks amazing. And just mm-hmm. her whole countenance, the whole the whole vibe of the vibe is just, it's light, it's bright, it's hopeful, it's airy. I'm loving what I'm seeing here. She looks fancy as fuck. I'm like, she looks like she's fucking rich. She looks yes. like she got 2000 and a half a year. Look at that fucking fabric. Where is it from? It looks amazing, Ann Walker. And that's why I want Jodie Comer in it. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Makari Madness, look at you still nudging. Yeah, she gonna do it if she hears this. And if she doesn't, we will tweet her and be like, please, as long as you love. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my gosh. And Anne is in the dark navy blue as opposed to the usual black, like we said. So already the scene with the two of them is more colorful. And then we're back at Cronest, which I feel like I went on for a little bit last episode about just how beautiful it is and how every time we're there, it just feels hopeful and nice and bright and expectant. And um, I guess what I like about how the scene is staged is that you have these color, this attention paid to color, and you feel like this is what visually you would expect of a new blossoming romance. Yeah. And then... And it's atypical because we've seen these characters at other times and they've not looked this bright and shiny and happy and whatever. And then you have like like Young Love and Bloom, essentially. And then you have the way the scene opens and there's actually a bit of distance between Ann Walker and Ann Lister. And I feel like it's something to note because realistically, I don't know of another time that they've been in the same room where they've actually been that far apart, except for when Ann Lister was making her initial fake dance around the room and then came right back. And so I feel like potentially, I don't know, that this might have been something filmmakers or Sally decide to do to try to visually represent initially the kind of chasm the letter was trying to create. I'm trying to separate you. I'm trying to create distance and all this stuff. And I just love that after Anna's like, this is written by somebody who doesn't know anything about me. It's horrible. It's poisonous. That And she's clearly upset because it's something she's had to deal with her whole entire life. Right. That Ann Walker closes the gap both literally and figuratively to be like, look, I just want to let you know that I don't give a fuck what these people say about you. Especially not a bitch that is not going to put her name on their fucking work. Right, exactly. Look, an unnamed article gets submitted about the woman that we love and it's a terribly written article and you don't leave room to be able to have someone approach you on your bullshit about the person. So it's Ann Walker basically... It's full circle moment because Ann Walker's like, you know, people call me invalid and all the stuff. She's like, well, I don't see an invalid here. Yes. Yes, that too. That too. I feel like you see what's what's bubbling up in me. That's why I keep making these movements. It's yeah. Scarborough. It's Scarborough. And I can't get fully into Scarborough because we're not there yet. But And I keep Aww. screaming about it. I keep screaming about it. But look, look. What have I said so far about Scarborough? I've said that it has to do with Mariana's obvious shame. A consistent, semi, semi-consistent, fairly consistent, basically consistent shame when it came to Anne and her appearance and mannerisms, etc. And that there's there's a lot of things I will say at the time about that situation. But to contrast that, 
in this scene, we have our patron saint of thirst, right? And she's clearly, I mean, she's fucking sprung. And she was sprung a decade prior to the situation. And what you have to imagine, what you have to read into the fact is that she was sprung off Ann Lister's image, her jauntiness and her mannerisms then that apparently were more masculine than they are now. And here we have this, this baby gay standing here, closing the gap to be like, I don't fucking care. Like, do you realize the power in that statement? The power that Ann Lister is feeling? Because as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, she's never had heard anything like that before, period. Because there's a number of times with Ann Belcombe, with other people, with fucking beer, where there's like this weird, you know, um, I mean, I guess shame is the only word to do with Ann Lister's or the assumptions that people make about Ann Lister as a person in this idea of masculinity. And um, 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 just having Ann Walker just be like, I don't give a fuck. And here's the letter. I'm sharing it with you. Like that openness, that honesty, that's, those are good signs going forward for the ladies. It's just what I'm saying. And I feel like Ann Lister says it all in the response. I feel like she's shocked. She's surprised. She's relieved. She's more in love because I don't think in under any circumstances that she expected that answer because literally nothing has happened in her life for her to be like, I expect this answer. In fact, I don't see how she didn't expect a Mariana answer because that's what she was used to getting. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, this person has said something shitty. And then Mariana being like, yeah, you're right. They did say that shitty thing and I feel shitty about it. And I wish this wouldn't have happened. In fact, I wish you were different. Like something like that. That's not what happens. Right. It's like because she's bracing herself. She didn't go over to Ann Walker. She didn't close the gap. She's trying to give a whole space. She's like, I don't even know what this means. I know what this means for you. I'm upset. I'm bothered. Ann Walker closes the gap. She's like, let me reassure you. Let me say, I don't give a fuck. And Ann Lister's like, bitch, what? What do you mean you don't give a fuck? This You're supposed new. to give a fuck about right. your reputation and what people say about me. What do you mean? And Ann Walker's like, honestly, what I mean is that uh, I don't give a fuck. And it's great. And Ann Lister you know, cups her face for a second and she's got to do the memory check, mm -hmm. muscle memory check before she gives her a kiss. But I just really love this kiss because it was very, it was very tender, very sweet, very, um, I would say a mixture of... Like there was gratitude in there. There, there was, was gratitude. There was a bit of light sadness because they were just on their happy yeah. soon to grubble train and this has stopped the whole thing in its tracks and definitely bringing up poor memories for Anne in general because in this kind of situation, I'm like, how does she not think about Scarborough? How does it not flash in front of her eyes? Because prior to these situations where you're being super optimistic about a bitch and then something horrible happens and you're like, oh my God, I see things differently now. So I think that that was completely something that she was fretting about. She was worried about in the moment. And when Ann Walker says that and the look on her face, she's like, oh shit. Okay. Um, okay. Here's this super tender kiss because I just, wow, you've shocked me. I have to go now and see about my aunt. It doesn't happen that fast because they do play some pinky game. I don't know if you saw it, but they touch a pinkies. And I was like, look at yeah. me. You guys are like teenagers. And it's adorable. It really is. And I right mean, before she's, she must be off. She's like, mm, I'll just take this. She picks up the letter. Oh, she's like, can I take that? Can I, <laughs> can I take the letter? She's like, bitch, take the letter. I'm never going to read it again. And she makes it to the door. And it's John there, right? And then. Uh... James. James. Okay. Because no, John is her dude. Okay. James is Ann Walker's dude. Thank you, James. Okay, got it. <laughs> He's at the door being the doorman and she asked him about the um the accident. Yes. And so he was on scene and uh he said he heard from, you know, reliable souls. The groom that he could have sworn. Sworn <laughs> Sorry, but this must be said. No, yeah, the, I know you're feeling vindicated that the right gentleman now. Gentlemen driving uh, the carriage was uh none other than elder walton elder and Wilson. 
if we don't know who that is, he's the the jaunty one with uh, the dolk. So- <laughs> Unfortunately, we all know who that motherfucker is. Oh, okay. It's and when they strong. when they transition from that, the subtitles actually say dark music. And I'm like, fucking Ooh. appropriate for this motherfucker. Because we transitioned to Ross and trying to fucking talk coal with, what's that dude's name? Mr. Parker, I think, who's negotiating the, the coal affairs for Miss Lista. And Ralston gets in there and starts talking in this scene. And I'm immediately, I'm just like, talk less, bro. Be less. Just exist less. Because you're fucking annoying. And honestly, kudos to the actor. Because he is fucking excelling at upsetting the shit out of me every time he's on screen. He is pompous. He is arrogant. He's a dick. And so... Okay, hashtag acting. He's doing a great job because I fucking can't stand Christopher Ross. And every time he's on screen, he only has to say but a word. And I'm like, fucking kill this guy. Get this. Can he be thrown from a carriage? Can he get the cholera? Can anything happen to Christopher Ross and that takes him out? But unfortunately, that does not happen. And they're talking about, he's basically there to take the, the deal. He's like, all right, I'm gonna take the deal. Miss Lister's so annoying, but you can tell her that I will, I, will, I will pay her ridiculous price for the upper and lower bed. And Jeremiah's like, oop, actually. So I was rereading the terms and it seems in the fine print, she's actually not giving us the upper and lower bed. It's just the lower, B. And granted, the lower has the shit that we want, but you know, the upper, we need the upper because um, our stuff. I mean, he doesn't say it, but like, we're stealing. Right. Right, so Christopher keeps bitching, and he's basically like, hey, we are men, and men should not have to negotiate with women because women like Ann Lister are annoying. And it's like, there's not really anyone else in town like Ann Lister, so you just mean her. And he says that he shouldn't have to jump through hoops of her whimsical, idiotic, and ill-informed construction. And I love the fucking old dude, Mr. Parker. Is like, uh, is that what you would call these? He's this? like, mm, no. I wouldn't call these in the farm. I wouldn't call these. Uh... Like, there's a lot of criticisms some people can have of Miss Lister, a whole lot of criticisms. But, you know, what one of them isn't, that whimsical, idiotic, and ill-informed are rather wide of the mark. Yes, bitch! So wide, not even on the same fucking page. And so Christopher just pivots back to his brother, and he's like, okay, so, well, this is your fault. <laughs> and uh, basically tells the dude to tell Miss Lister to stop wasting his damn time. Uh, well, one of the hidden scenes... Sort of extended, hidden, extended. It's just uh, Alistair making it back to Halifax, and she's uh, Halifax got the or Shibden? Shibden. Shibden. Okay. And then uh, she's got All the right, letter. She's got the letter. She reads it. We she can finally it. see what it says. I did write it down, and it says, "Miss Walker, you should know that Miss Lister cannot be trusted in the company of other women." A well wisher. And part of me is like, Catherine, you dirty hoe, because literally you said the same exact <laughs> thing. But maybe did. it's not Catherine. No, maybe it's not Catherine. She did. Say maybe it's that her mama. Exactly. Look at her mama. She showed up well, this episode. She's a fucking possible. hater. It's you know it's not Delia. She's still smitten. She's like, I don't know. I could get a grubble. But if anyone, I'm gonna say Stanfield. Stanfield Rawson at this time is the most likely culprit because who else is not minding their business? And she actually Dr. came Penny. by the crib. Oh, we read it. it. Right. And then she throws. Oh, wait. Nope. She, she brings strikes a her. vintage yep. match. Yes. And she lights that shit on fire. Which, good. And we see it burn in her hand for a good bit. Suspenseful Probably music plays. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Get rid of that shit. And then Erase she it from existence entirely. Tosses it onto, like, uh, I guess it's fire. Like, logs. But... <laughs> But it doesn't it's catch a fire, fire. It was already right. fire. She she lit it and then she looked at it and then she tossed it. And I hope that she was kind of like symbolically releasing it from right. her. Like I'm burning it and so it's just gone. Right, like in Clueless when you have the box of stuff and it's like, <laughs> but that's what we think of. Oh, the fucking like, Clueless reference. You just set the picture uh, on fire. Just like now the memory's gone. It's like a private ritual, funeral for emotions. It is a ritual. 
actually. Burning things is, uh, I mean, I've, you know, now let me talk about the bonfire I started way back when. I mean, that was a more ridiculous situation where I took apart my furniture and burnt it. I was oh, under I stress. definitely burned my bed. <laughs> I was under bed. stress. I went under my bed and set the bottom of my mattress on fire. I was like, oh, this is pretty. <laughs> I was under there uh, while it was happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Stories of childhood. Okay. So, <laughs> um, actually, I was grown when I set my, my lofted bed on fire, took it apart, set it on fire. But, you know, again, it was a stressful week. There's a lot going on. Oh, so I felt better. You office spaced your bed? I did. Yeah. I did. I really did. And my, the person I was running from at the time, and granted, it was a ridiculous loft, a lot of ridiculous shenanigans going on there, like 17 people. But my landlord was like, so you know, you're getting a deposit back, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much accepted that the deposit <laughs> is gone. Because <laughs> they were like, bitch, where's your bed? It's burnt. So <laughs> I'm sure someone is listening to this right now like, what the fuck? If you really want to know why I burnt my bed, hit us up on Twitter and I will tell you. Okay. So not actually the mattress because that would be fucked up. Just the wood. Oh, after this, we are back at Thomas. Thomas's family fucking drama, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, he and his sister. So he throws a, a, like a bucket of water. I hope oh, it's wait, water. Oh, you're, wait, you're skipping ahead. You're skipping oh, ahead. I got to do my favorite line. I think, where do I have it? With that little cat. <laughs> First of all, yes, it has to do with feral children who are not in school, who should totally be in school. And because they're not in school, they make me laugh. Here we go. He's messed his pants. Oh, has he? He offered me sixpence to he untie him. He hasn't got sixpence. No. no. I know. No. <laughs> wait, wait. I got to play it again. I just think this is so adorable. Someone could give her an Emmy just for this. No. I know. Like, listen to... The shame, the sadness, the... My dad ain't got my six dad is, pence. <laughs> my dad ain't got six pence to rub together, bitch. He's he trying to... He got a penny. Like, <laughs> no, daddy, I know. My dad ain't got a penny. Will someone please put these Halifax children in school? Please. Good Lord. They they should not be working. You know that little girl working the farm? <laughs> she working the farm. Just like her brothers. Oh, my God. And he's like, uh, Dad, I'm giving you some time to repent. <laughs> Have you seen the His father ways? doesn't know what that means. Have you seen ways? Have Wait a minute. What's that accent? <laughs> walk to the land of the light. <laughs> is that Irish? What are you doing? I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Yo, it's probably massive, something from apo- Boondock Saints. <laughs> who knows? Massive apologies to all of our listeners who are actually in these countries where authentic. <laughs> For God's <laughs> sakes, father. Yo. Utter some words to let me know what? that you have learned your lesson. You what want me to die? What accent is that? You want me to die? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you want me to choke? I need to keep it together. We're never going to finish this episode. Okay, so... <laughs> Thomas. Thomas's accent. Your interpretation of it was a beautiful medley of... I don't know what the fuck, but... Thank you so much for that entertainment. How does that end? The water, like you said, because basically, oh, right. Okay. So after they discuss how daddy ain't got no money, the dad just basically say, you know, Miss Lister is expecting me to come to the hall tomorrow because she did say that in their fight. And he's like, you think she's not going to come up here to check for me if I don't show up? Because y'all, y'all, you know how she is. Then he's like, ha forgot it, didn't you? Ha I got you. And then Thomas tosses the water, I believe. Right? Just because he needed a quick shower and Thomas is a humane detainer of daddy's. And the sis kind of hangs back for a little bit. He calls her away and he's probably going to go see about what he can do. About what his daddy just said. That Miss Lister is coming. And he's like, fuck, she did say that. And she definitely will come here if he doesn't show up. And after that, 
Oh, we're at end. This is so. I think that the other deleted scene comes in around yes. here. Is that the end of this or right. the beginning so of this? So he comes because she's um getting you know she's getting dust for her fucking date. For dinner. And we it's have to note like it's a dinner date. On. It's not a day date like last episode. It's a dinner date. And so we have to note that I don't know if you noticed, but it's the same outfit from the credits. Did you, oh, did you notice the yeah. type of jacket she's wearing? The ruby and she's got her fucking pocket watch on a long ass necklace. And I was like, this shit, I like it. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I like it. And then uh, John comes in. Is that John? Where he's like, uh, letter came in. Or maybe oh, it's Baby Booth. I think it's oh, Baby it Booth. Be baby He'd be delivering booth. lettuce. Yeah. And he basically is like, you got a letter from, from Jeremiah Rawson. Rawson. Yeah. And, and she tells you, Jeannie, to get the fuck out. She's like, I can't read with you in the room. When I saw that, I was just like, why did she kick you, Jeannie, out? Like, you're reading in your head. And she's like, bitch, get the fuck out. Like, well, I'm done with you. This is how active her imagination is. So she starts to read. And we get, uh, I don't know if you remember, like, those Harry Potter letters. Where it's like, it just feels like it's being said out oh. loud. <laughs> yeah. So she reads a line that she doesn't like. Where it's like, you know, I, I'm sorry that we were unclear. But I wanted the upper and lower uh, beds. So it's like that letter you, you like, were trying to write before. Madam, you got me the fuckest of upper bed. Yes. I thought this was for the lower and upper bed. It's just for the lower bed shit. I can't do that. And what does she do? <laughs> she throws the letter in her upper uh, drawer. Mid-sentence. Mid-sentence. Like, bye. And then wait, she closed it. This is the deleted scene. She closes it and the letter is being spoken aloud still, but muffled. It's muffled, right? <laughs> right, that's what they did. Because at the end of this scene, in the US version, they're like, that's it. She puts the, the letter in the drawer and she fucking goes away. But in the UK scene, the, the letter's still talking and then she has she fun opening up, right? the door opening the fucking drawer and closing it and laughing to herself like bitch I don't give a fuck what you saying and I just why did they take that from us I don't I don't know why HBO really gotta fix their lives so oh right she goes to tell her aunt that she's off before she oh, actually yes, has to Cronus and says and she'll be back by 10. She says she's coming back after 10 and Aunt Ann Walker's like, bitch, that's too late. Like, didn't we just have this conversation earlier today that there are vagrants about and we are concerned about you walking home alone. We don't want you walking home alone. I'm gonna send John. And she's like, don't fucking send John. And she's like, I'm gonna send John. And she's like, okay, fine. fine. Tell him not to come earlier than 9.35. And then, uh, yeah. Which, can we talk about the timing? Because Ann is so, like, she's such a timekeeper that I love this detail because I feel like a person like Anne would say a 9.35, where most people would be like 9.30, 10, like a round, like a nice round number. She's like 9.35. Like, 9.35, because she can she needs get 25 minutes. It's 25, 25 minutes. minutes. Yes. So that will put her back inside at precisely 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And if it takes him a half hour to get to where she needs to be, well. if it takes him a half hour to walk all the way back to Shibden, then she will arrive at precisely 10.05 and it'll be specifically because of John. And I was like, Ooh. Yeah, because she was like, uh, you can't do that. She's like, bitch, any, I can walk anywhere in 25 minutes. She's like, well, John can't. She's like, well, then it's going to be John's fault that I'm at least five minutes late, huh? Isn't that, isn't that right? <laughs> and I love that later we see her walking like 10 paces ahead of John because it's perfect. Uh, he should have brought his horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should have done that. And then uh, 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 Aunt Anne accidentally lets it slip that, uh, you know, Jones Accidentally. Jones That's you married, nice. you know. Accidentally. Jones getting married. Oh, oh wait. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? Uh, no. And she's I like, well, yeah, it's, well, I don't want to talk about it right now. Besides, there's something worse. She's like, something worse, <laughs> bitch? What's worse? What's worse? And she's like, well, you know, Marion. She's like, Marion, is Marion getting married to John? Is, is it John? What the fuck? And she's like, well, no, you know what? Uh, scratch that. Why don't you just go to your date? Just do that. And she's like, hold up. So why did you start this whole fucking conversation if you didn't want me to worry? She's like, I just, I, we'll talk about it later. I shouldn't have said anything. Actually, Marion didn't want me to say anything. I'm gonna be in trouble. 
did, did she at that point also accidentally name drop the the carpet cleaner yes because <laughs> when she asked what's up a marion she's like well you know there's a dude mr abbott he's like this motherfucking carpet <laughs> and i love the way her aunt tries to downplay the shade when she started with the shade she did to marion directly she's like but ain't that um carpets like what's was that and Captain List is the only one with some sense to be like, hey, man, people are more than their jobs and their family histories. They are who they are. But he only says all that after Anne leaves because she doesn't give anyone the time usually to disagree with her, let alone her father. Because basically after Aunt Anne is like, oh, my God, I should have told you I'm going to be in trouble. And it's like, Aunt Anne, you, Auntie, you wanted to gossip because you totally could have let a bitch walk out before you were like, by the by, just before you leave, let me mention two marriages potentially that could happen. I don't know. Maybe. But don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. And Anne's like, what would you mean? And so after she finally leaves and she's like, well, um, clearly this isn't going to work. And you know why? Because Marion has no fucking judgment, bitch. We all know. We all know Marion has no judgment. So we have to be the judges for her. So daddy, take care of this or I will. Bet. Okay, mm-hmm. bye. Off to my date. And then it's like, damn, she, she just. And after she leaves, Captain Lister's like, well, you know, people are changing. Times mm-hmm. are changing. Mm-hmm. Marion could use a man. I mean, she just up in here annoying us all the goddamn time. Maybe if she had a, a man, she would have liked and walked. To market Wheaton for good. Wow. <laughs> no, wow. but I mean, they just, I think both of them just want the, the girls to be happy and settled and just like the things that parental figures think about, which is like, who will be with you and take care of you and keep you company when I'm gone? And so I think that's a very real concern for Ann Walker. Not Ann Walker, excuse me. Aunt Ann Lister, where Captain Lister's maybe a little less concerned but still concerned because he wants Marion to have somebody maybe he knows like Anne will always have somebody <laughs> and I think Anne is a type where she would like even if things didn't work out with Anne Walker she would find a woman eventually can't keep a good lesbian down that's what I'm saying and now we are to our, our dinner date at Crow Nest yay and the scene opens up and they're talking at the table like a perfect a perfectly lovely couple they're talking about what is it Anne says something about the Highlands I don't know it just seems like good dinner talk. Oh, traveling. and Oh, I've got a letter again from Mr. Ainsworth. And <laughs> turns out, turns out that I don't remember. She doesn't say it's that. I think about, she says something he's visiting or something. He right? was supposed to be visiting his. No, this is when his visit was supposed to be for like early in the year, January, February. But it's now because of the job, they have to come earlier to stay in her right place. so this is actually following up on now that i remember it's following up on what she said when they were walking down lower brook ing that yeah. oh well you know i got this letter and i would put them off and and was like fine fine it's fine <laughs> if you committed something it's fine and so she's got an update she's like well new letter so this and this and this and this and basically uh, we could be off sooner right that's what i'm I, saying uh, if it <laughs> giggle, giggle. Like, if it dealt with my timetable like i i know you got a lot that you're doing in the beginning of the year but if for some reason any that were to evaporate, I mean, uh, by my account, <laughs> right. we could not your aunt. I do not want your aunt want. to right. evaporate, just her leg problems. Right. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, then this is when, because uh, she's thinking about, you know, the potential of being able to go to Italy sooner before, you know. Did she also say Sweden? No. No, she just, um, she's like, you talking about Anne or which Anne? When she first was talking about you want to go like travel, she's like, oh, there's places you need to see in the springtime. It's beautiful. And so they planned this tour. Oh, you tour. mean last episode? Yeah. Right. So she didn't say that. They're just, I mean, they're they're in the habit now of talking. And again, this is so gay. Mm-hmm. Such lesbian behavior because it's ultimately been just a couple of days. And they're like, so when we high fly and you haul and we've been together and just be perfect wives together forever, forever, um, are we going to do that one thing? That's basically this conversation, I feel like. Yeah. She's like, well, 
I want you to know that I'll never marry and that I'll never bear children Wait, for a man. You are jumping to tea time. What? That's what? tea time. That's tea time. Because remember, it's all very, it's all very like respectable and cordial and in a sense, traditional when they're having dinner. Okay. James is around. Oh, right they're, right. they're sitting in a certain way and they're having a conversation that is conducive to being heard by the help. Oh, we're talking about motherfucking the Highlands and we're talking about our trip over here and that's to be expected. But tea time when James and whoever the fuck else was serving that food is elsewhere doing their life and they're in the drawing room and Ann Walker's trying to make her tea be a good fucking hostess and Ann Lister, her finger's like... Like, she's so fucking nervous. She's like, um, I have something on my mind. I've, I've had this on my mind since um, the appetizers at dinner, and I need to get it out. Obviously, that dress. And did I mention all the potpourri in Ann Walker's hair? Because <laughs> that's what I refer to as potpourri, because she's like, like, we already talked about Ann Lister. She's getting spoofed up for this date, and Ann Walker looks ridiculous. She, I mean, and I mean that in the best of ways, because she's got stuff sticking out her head. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff sticking out her head was not there in previous days. It wasn't. So this bitch was getting ready for her date. And she was like, bitch, put this piece of potpourri over here. Put this feather over here. Make your head, make your curls look real nice because your girl's coming over. And I just, those little details, those little bitty details, they really fucking do it for me. And uh, I don't even know where I was going, but I got distracted by the potpourri in the hair. And I was like, yo. Oh, no. Now that we're at tea time, it's time for tea time conversation. Nervous Anna. Nervous Anna. She didn't even drink the tea. And Walker gives it a tea and she's like, fuck this tea. I need to put it down. (laughs) So I've been thinking because I can't even hold this tea while I'm talking to you. I have an idea. Um, I was wondering, um, after we get back from our travels and shit, you know, doing that whole thing, traveling, basically like wives. um, I was wondering, possibly, maybe, you know, might we not? Might we not? live together, you know, as companions, when we get back, just like live together, just, you know, never separate. And I love that Ann Walker gets what she means immediately. Cause she's like, like a marriage. I'm like, bitch. I screamed. I'm surprised Ann Lister didn't scream. <laughs> Cause it's like, do you know how hard it would have been to get Beard to understand that shit? Right. And then, you know, and she molds it over. She's like, well, you know, um, I've- Well, first Ann is like, yes, yes. Very much like a marriage, just like a marriage. In fact, maybe better. I would like to say all gay marriages are better, but that's just my personal <laughs> bias. But then, yes, what you were saying just then. Uh, yeah, she's like mulling it over. She's like, well, you know, I don't really see myself as the type to get married or to have children. But I did have this one moment in time where I did think that it would have been nice to have a kid. Not the actual birthing process of like producing life, but like maybe like Karen Crow or having a kid. And I don't know if I can immediately promise right away, like right now that that urge won't ever come back, but maybe we can, I don't know, come up with this sort of arrangement for the two of us where we can, you know, like be together, uh, like a trial run. And I'm guessing that, and Lista enjoyed this answer very, very, very much because it was well thought out. I mean, there, but there, there's phases because she does not enjoy everything. That's, right. Like there are phases here. I mean, it could be all the thirst that's stored in the, the sleeves because I think actually the sleeves of this dress surpass the thickness and largeness of the pink of dress, the pink of dress. the lace that we saw before, which makes sense for this being the evening date and potpourris in the hair and motherfucking gigantic shoulder pads and earrings we've never seen before. I don't know if you noticed that, but she was wearing some different ass earrings. And I was like, yo, you pulled out all your shit, all your shit for this motherfucking date. Right, that's what I was gonna say because in the subtitles, when after Anne says that, like, might we not live together? You know, 
take up together as companions, the subtitles for Ann Walker say moans. That is the subtitle. Whoa. She makes a sound where she's like, oh, like an exciting, but the subtitles specify moan. This is a moan of pleasure. And I'm just like, those details. Because I do think that's her organic reaction. Like, this is what I want. I didn't even know this was possible. Holy shit. Uh, married. But I think her indecision about, well, am I completely sure about this? Is just like, and the way she says, give birth again. Give birth. <laughs> I was like, girl, you know you don't want to give birth. Look at how you say it. Besides, adoption was not a thing at this time. Or just stealing one of the many orphan babies okay. that totally existed at this time. That okay. just need a mom. Two moms. No, uh. just, just pick up a baby. You don't have to, like, produce it. That was the part of my fantasy. My Gwendolyn Christie, Christie fantasy is that we would take a child who needs love. And then go off and be parents. Nobody would know. Nobody would have to know. And can we also talk about the fact that we have to go back to episode one where Anne, Anne Lister, Aunt Anne Lister, was telling Anne Walker about Vera Hobart. Because remember the word she used. She was like, Anne was over here living as companions with Vera Hobart. And at the time we made jokes about Anne Walker being like, companion, companion, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I say this too, because I just, who knows what type of balance the writers are trying to strike here, because the books indicate that even though direct conversations weren't had, as far as we are aware, via the diaries between Anne Walker and Anne Lister about anything, that the likelihood that Anne Walker had heard something or some type of rumor or some type of whatever about Anne Lister and what is she doing with women is very probable. And so you add in this show the fact that Aunt Anne Lister was like, well, you know, she was with this woman as a companion up until something went wrong and now she's back. And then this word companion is used again by Anne Lister herself to describe an arrangement she wants with Anne Walker after they've already kissed. So in my mind, Anne Walker's not a fool. She's putting the two together. She doesn't have to bring it up necessarily, but she has to like, she, you know, it's a little thing. And so by the time, you know, later in the episode where she's like, oh, what's that? Are you breaking the fourth wall? <laughs> it's funny. It's extra funny. Cause it's like, girl, Anne Walker's been paying attention a little bit. And just cause she hasn't challenged you on it doesn't mean she doesn't necessarily know to a certain degree that you've probably done this before. But yes, after she makes her a little, I don't know about babies. I don't know. Anne has changed her body language where before she was like holding her hands upright posture. And then Anne is like, well, I don't know. You know, I've, sometimes I've thought I could have the inclination that she like retrieves her hands. She's like, shit, preparing myself for the bullshit. Like rejection, yeah, think. totally rejection. And then the rejection drama. What is it that Anne says that shows her it's not rejection? I can't remember the phrasing. I feel like she compared it to like a, I don't want to say proposal or like a, Right. Okay. We're on the right track because it's after Anne is like, I'll never, ever, ever, ever get married. I'm a okay, baby so gay. Making decisions is hard. Literally. And then Anne Walker brings her back up by saying, so rather than give you a yes now, could we wait six months? And then Anne is like, six months? You've brought me back out of my, out of my depressed reverie. And after Anne is like, six months, why? What an arbitrary number, six months. Why that? And she's like, well, it is. Is it not? just like a proposal and you know if it is like a proposal just like any old proposal shouldn't shouldn't both parties involved take you know a decent amount of time to just consider everything seriously and truly and that's when Anna's like oh my god yes okay it's just like a proposal like she flips she's like okay 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 everything's not destroyed duh okay yes yeah like a proposal yes let's do things formally and properly and stuff and then she suggests April 3rd which is her birthday which I don't know. I just feel like if I was going to get a life altering decision like that, I'm not going to choose my birthday. <laughs> I'm going to choose a week after, <laughs> you know, so I still have a week of fun just in case it doesn't go the way I want. But yeah, so that's what she says there. And then once Anne gets the 
the idea that like, okay, it's not all off in the way that I was thinking. They share like this really giddy kind of manic laugh, or at least looks a little bit manic from, from Ann Walker to me. And considering what's going on here, it's fully expected. She's in the baby gay in the throes of it all. And then Ann says, Ann Lister, she says, I can wait that long, as long as I have reason to hope. And then we hear the line. Oh, I, I think you have every reason to hope. Oh, Lucas. She got to stop fucking with Anne's. I'm not going to say Anne's petticoats because Anne don't got no petticoats on. Her braids, right. her braids, her, her stockings. She just fucked up Anne Lister's stockings and braids. Hmm. That's revenge. Revenge <laughs> of the petticoats. Revenge of the undergarments. Because Anne can't be bothered to wear no goddamn petticoats. And I'm with that. I'd have, I'd have been wearing the brace, too. <laughs> Motherfucking petticoats. I think that ends the scene there. It ends on a kiss. She's basically like, oh, face caresses, loving looks into the eye. I can't believe you keep shocking me like this. Not only did you understand it was a marriage and an engagement straight away, you haven't said no. Like, you're, you're like, let's do this right. And I, I'm with that shit. With that shit, I was speaking in Ann Lister's <laughs> tongue. But I, too, I, too, am with that shit. And I think we end the scene with Ann Walker looking at Ann Lister's lips because that's usually how we end the fucking scene. Yeah. Oh, John bungles the pickup. That's uh-huh. what's next. Yep. So John knocks on the wrong door. And he's like, oh, I'm just here to pick up Ann Lister. And they're like, John, why, why would you think she's here? He's lucky he's lovable. I mean, you know, because she's been <laughs> here all up. day, all night, and she's been here last night. It's like, Doug, she's at Lightcliff. She's been here literally for the last week, every day, bitch, work day hours. And here comes Mrs. Priestley. I bet. Because <laughs> her, husband, her husband answered the door, and her fucking nosy ass is like, what? What's going on? What's happening? And then John's like, oh. I just assumed. Okay, so it must be Miss Walker's place. Okay, no, no, not to worry. I, I, no, no, is it? That's after they asked because he because John said something like, "Oh no, I'm sorry. I thought Miss Lister was here because she said she was at Lightcliff and stuff." And then Mrs. Priestley was like, "Well, where is she? Where do you think she is? Because I'm nosy as fuck." And then John's like, "Obviously at Ann Walker's place. Duh, that's where she is. Ann Walker's." And then Mrs. Priestley decides to fuck a bitch up. Maybe I should pay a visit. I, I, I already told you that I get the idea from the diaries, in other words, that she could stand a grubble or two from Miss Lister. That's my personal reading into it. That's what I feel like I see from what was put on the page. And so I'm choosing to interpret that this way, that like a lot of homophobic people, some of that homophobic energy is coming from repressed gay energy. Mm. And Mrs. Priestley could be one of those fucking people, at least in this fictional retelling of a nonfiction story, that's what the fuck I'm gonna go with. And he bounces like a little bitch, like, oh, let me let me go walk to Ann Walker's house mm. after I've exposed <laughs> what's happening here. And uh, when we get back to Crow Nest, shit has progressed. Uh, yes. They are horizontal. They sure are. There is body weight pressure happening in places and they're making out. It's the same chair, but it's it's actually it's, it's um this is how Ann Walker back got fucked up because that chair is not comfortable at all. She's on the bottom. And I'm just like, girl, right. get a pillow. At least later, later she's like, here's a pillow. Because Ann Walker got back problems. We can't have her in that stiff ass chair, motherfucking 19th century fucking chair. Not a piece of cushion. So I saw this scene for the first time and I started making crude jokes. You where, sure did. You really again, did. like we said at the top of the episode, well, if this were a queer relationship with two men um not being practical ready. reason 
I'm not sorry. Prepping. Why do I keep laughing? And oh it's like God. she's like, I'm. This is this is not the. I mean, I want it, but this is not the. Uh, uh, this isn't. Uh, it won't be a. If this ain't grade A right now. Like, let me. I'm not. I right. already told you like, the scientific reasoning. If you would have stayed the night like I told you to, <laughs> oh, then I would have taken the bath. I fucking I would have done all of the, I you know, I'd put a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> a Jolly Rancher! Oh my God! <laughs> women, women, please ignore it. Please ignore the bullshit that Terrence is on right now. Do not put candy in oh, your yeah, vajayjay. Don't do, that. don't do that. That's not good for I'm, the vajay. I mean, I'm not going to say that, that I've it's never played with candy. It's candy all by itself. It's candy all by itself. It you can play with candy by itself. By, you can play with candy. Just don't put it in your vajayjay, ladies. Right, right. Don't put it. I just, yeah, That's don't all put the candy it in. you need. You don't need to add extra candies. Put the candies elsewhere. Don't put right. it down there because then next thing right. you know, you have the gyno and you got problems. <gasps> So, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I'm not saying it was me there. I'm just saying I've known people oh. who have added props to their fuck fest mm-hmm. and then paid mm-hmm. the price mm-hmm. after the fuck mm. fest. It's like fucking on a beach. Don't do it. Oh, that gets sandy. Yeah. You only have to do it once to be like, nah, bro, chill. So where are we? Oh, horizontal makeout. And then we, we for undisclosed <gasps> okay, reasons. Okay, wait. Yeah, no, because Anne is talking that shit. Okay, she, she is such a fucking lesbian. Literally, literally, last time we left the scene, she's like, Six months, that's not that long. I do believe I can wait if I have reason to hope. And Ann Walker gives her that deep, deep fucking octave reply. I think I think you have yeah. every reason to hope. Yeah, me too, me too. And here we come back to the scene and what's Ann doing? What is she saying? Uh, she's searching for the petticoats. She is searching for the petticoats, but she's basically like, surely you care about me enough to say yes. Like she is pushing, like she, that's what happens when she gets to the grub. She's like, okay, but look at us. Look how we touching. Look how we kissing. Surely, surely, surely you like me enough to say yes. She putting a bitch through the pressure. Ann Walker wasn't ready for the pressure. She was already experiencing enough pressure, as we say, through the petticoats. And basically, she's like, you know, you'll break my heart if now if you say no, mm-hmm. which I feel like I was hearing, you know, well, you know, you can't leave me now. Right. Because if you do, I will die a very gay and very dramatic death. So don't do this to me. I can't have this happen. Somewhere near. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're close to it. It happens around here. Wait, what? Oh, wait, what happens around here? Uh she's picked up oh right but this is after this is after things pause because she's oh, yeah. she says that shit about you know if you leave me now if you leave me now you take away the biggest part <laughs> you know this could have been playing under Ooh. the tongue no Look at the picture of this band. I'm sorry. This is Chicago. It's I don't like know if you're beards. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. 70s group. So while Chicago is the soundtrack to the makeout session on, on the couch, don't leave me. And Ann Walker starts to feel the pressure when Ann Lister goes near. She tries to get near queer. She goes for the petticoats, those, those blasted petticoats. And she barely gets there before Ann Walker has a little bit of a gay panic, it seems. And of course, she's like, did I hurt you? Am I, have I, have I ruined it? I think she says, like, she's. Well, she's like, I think she says, what's, what's wrong? And Ann Walker's just like, I don't know. I, I just, I can't. And she's like, after a beat, does it feel wrong? And she's like, no, no, not the kissing. It's just the stuff, like, presumably getting to the, going to Italy has her stressed out. And I'm trying to think what Ann says after that. 
She tries to apologize. And she's like, no, no she, right, you're right. She does. Yeah, she apologized. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, no, I'm sorry. Although she's still looking at Ann Lister's lips. So I'm like, girl, you you confused about you like I still want to make out. I'm really, right. I'm really stressed out about the grebbles, but making out I can do right now. And it's really fun. And she's like something like, you know, I've never done this before and I don't want to disappoint you, but I do want to be really good at it. That's you reading into her energy. Uh. And I will agree. With, I will agree. I will agree. She wants to be really good at it because that's part of her anxiety is that I've never done this before, certainly with a woman. And I, I want to please you. I want you to be happy with me. I want to have the stuff that locks you down, not the stuff that sends you off to another petticoat. And I think she's, I mean, to be sure, there's a lot of anxiety to be had on your first time. And I think that's something that a lot of people get wrong in TV shows and movies where like your first sexual experience, whether it's heterosexual or queer, is just like, oh, look at Look at the candles lit and everything's going well. Like, it's awkward uh, as fuck. No, it's awkward. It's awkward, man. It doesn't get less awkward until after that first time where you're like, fuck. Right. Okay, things are not going as I pictured. I'm way more nervous than I expected. And I'm I'm having anxiety. I'm having anxiety right now. So that's where Ann Walker is. And at least Ann Lister, you know, she's understanding. She's like, shit, look, you know what? It's me. It's me. I said we could wait six months. Then literally 10 minutes later, I was trying to get to grubble. The thing is, you have potpourri in your hair. And uh, we're basically engaged right now. And so I'm just a little excited. But I can chill out. I can calm down. Let me just go. Actually, she doesn't say that. She goes back in for a kiss. And while they're doing that, John is like, ding dong. Yeah. Grubbles have ended. And so she goes. What do they end that scene saying with? Well, when she hears the ringing, she knows that it's John, so she says it. But Oh, yeah, she looks annoyed. She's like, it's fucking John. God. She asks Alistair. Um, because you know she's nervous about not knowing what she's doing because she's never done this before. She says, "Have you done this before?" Right? How can I forget that glorious fourth wall break? And she's like, "What? Who? <laughs> Me? No, no!" And she breaks the fourth wall to us, the audience, because we know we know she's done it a lot. And before. so Anne Walker follows her gaze to try to figure out what she's like. What are you, what are Actually, you looking at? A low note is that this was not scripted. I'm aware of this little production fact that this was one of those Gemma Whalen ad-lib screens just by Sophie Rundle, where she was, you know, taking the piss, having fun I on set. That. And again, Sally Wainwright she was like, keep that shit take. See, that's what I said. Look, give them two, but then you take one. Bitch, you need to take your own take when it takes you like three, four hours to get ready for the shits. And you know, poor Sophie Rundle with those damn shoulders. Right. Like, how is she moving with those I shoulders full of thirst? a take. Shoulders full of thirst are heavy. So well, you got me on the scene looking like Gamora with new paint, <laughs> a new nose, or whatever. Like I I, I, I'm, I'm getting a take. <laughs> I'm getting a take. I can barely <laughs> sit in this thing. I'm getting a take. So yeah, after the fourth wall break, and Ann's just like, what? And then I guess um, kiss in the hall. Oh, you know and what? Then she does like the thing where she darts her eye at us. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it was like a ooh shit, almost got caught there, girl. And it's like she already know about your companionship with Veer. I don't think like you said you thought Ann Walker was clever. And stuff. So trust a bitch to be clever enough to put shit together, even if she doesn't say it out loud. And so this is, I guess we cut to John trying to keep up with. <laughs> we do. Lister. Yes, because there's some jaunty walking back to the state. Because, you know, she's got a 10 o'clock deadline. Jaunty, jaunty. And so he's trying to catch her. <laughs> and at the same time, he's like, also going to spill the beans because, yeah. you know. He accidentally, you but know. he was smart because he spilled his beans first. He was yeah. like, "I'm not gonna let you know how I'm potentially fucking with your grubbles. 
I need to get my shit out. Oh, so hey, um, did anyone mention to you perhaps by chance that I'm getting married? And she's like, to who? Not to Eugenie. He's like, oh, um, that was your first name? Yeah. <laughs> Why Actually, was that your first guess? Because that's, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy. That's your first guess. Well, you're really good at these games, Miss <clears throat> Lister. Yes. I love Anne's reactions because she's just like, what? How? How? No, really, really, John. How? Because you don't speak a lick of French? What the fuck you doing? He's like, well, you know, bitch, the heart, the heart wants what it wants. I mean, it just sort of happened. And she's like, no, 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 no. Love needs language to express itself. <laughs> you can't just gaze at a motherfucker. And just be in love. And I just want to be like, Anne, I read some entries about you and Miss Brown. And mm-hmm. uh, you were not having full conversations with Miss Brown before you and your journal. Like, I think I'm in love with her. I think I'm a little bit in love with Miss Brown. <laughs> and it's because she was pretty. So that's basically John Booth's energy here is that she's pretty. He doesn't know shit about Eugenie. He doesn't know shit about her countenance. Doesn't know shit about her character. All he knows is that she still looked cute when she upchucked on his boots. And for Anne, who was just trying to chase a hoe down for being cute. I would think she could understand John's energy. I mean, yeah, well, that's why she didn't downright denounce it. She said, well, it's not something I could give my blessing to immediately right away. But at the same time, she doesn't want to be not trying to someone who's standing in the way. Yeah, right. I was like, well, that's she's not reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> she's is- like, this is completely an improper arrangement, but I'm not trying to stand in front of the way of your happiness. Okay, cool. And I'll like, think about it. Also, when I, I, I bungled trying to pick you up. He's like, also, um, <laughs> if you could just, you're walking fast again. And she's still walking. She's like, da, 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 jaunty, jaunty. And he's like, so anyways, I went to the Priestleys. And then I said I was probably your place. And oh, well, you know, so they know now, basically. And she's, that's when she stops and turns around. She like gives him this look of like, you motherfucker. Doesn't say shit. Pivots and keeps walking back home. And I guess when you're a servant, you just deal with that kind of rudeness. Like, okay, she's done talking. Okay, cool. Well, that's... That's how it goes. Are we back Lista. at the? Are we at the barn? Yeah, we're at the pigs. A pig with the actual pigs, and that pig is Souden, and oh, he is yeah. tied up. And well, I think when the scene opens, it's a squealing pig. Because I remember being like, "Oh man, I don't like that's, the sound of a squealing pig. That's, I don't like it." And then we see Souden screaming and trying to free himself, like he's all like jittery and shaking and shit, and basically shuddering from rage when Thomas comes in and he starts screaming. Ah, ah, like he's doing shit like that and um he struggles but thomas is just sort of like have you learned a lesson maybe i wish i wish you would have learned a lesson i hope you would have learned a lesson but something's telling me that you probably have not learned a lesson i feel like that sums up what's going on there because he's basically begging his father in that scene to just like be a better person he's like can't you just be a better person is that when he says people aren't supposed to be scared of him or is that in the next scene uh, i could be No, he does. That's when he says, he's like, can't you see that something is wrong when every single person in your family is afraid of you? Can't you see that that's fucked up? That's not the way it's supposed to be. And his dad doesn't say shit. And so that's where he's sort of like talking to himself. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I want to think that you've you've learned something. I want to think you've changed, but I don't know. And you can still say some shit to fuck over Miss Lister. I don't fucking know. And so it's really stressful for Thomas because... He literally almost watched his father kill his mother, at the very least maim her, because a fire poker to the head is not something you generally live a nice life afterwards. Yeah. I think that's how we, I think we end on his begging, him hoping his father will be decent, but us knowing that if his father was going to, was a decent person, he would have lied to his son, but he doesn't even try to lie. He He doesn't even try to lie. lie. And that's that's what is that combination of foolishness and not knowing the kind of boy that you've been around who has that, that fucking smoke? So, for his to, to save his family to save his mother 
So it's forcing a development on the kid because now he's putting himself in this righteous place to be like, right. I have to be jury here and judge, jury, executioner, <laughs> right. essentially, yeah, because he's natural, like my mama, my siblings. Next step. Right, yeah. right, right. And you don't get a fucking toxic man like that out now. Think about the further effects on the children and their behavior. And so we leave from that scene and I believe we're back at Shibden with Aunt Anne talking to... No, they're talking about uh, John... Oh, wait. No, I think they're talking about John Abbott here. I believe they're talking about John Abbott here as well. And that's when Anne is bitching like, he makes carpets. This is absurd. (laughs) (laughs) He's not good enough for my sister or any Lister. And Aunt Anne is just like, well, it's wool. But yes, probably. Absolutely. You're right. (laughs) We're both at the same level of snobby here. And, and she's um, like, oh, relax. It's only been tea. And then she says something like, oh. She's I'm like, well, it's trade. So <laughs> and two, two, two teas, twice. And she's like, well, yeah, it has been twice a tea. And that's when she's like, bitch, um, daddy, you handle this or, or I, I will. will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm rude. I'm ruder <laughs> when I handle it. And Aunt Anne's like, oh, I'm in trouble now. I wasn't supposed to say anything. And again, I'm just like, okay, but you did. <laughs> as soon as <laughs> she, she came home, you were like, um, Anne, can we talk? Can we gossip? Because, you know, you're my favorite person to talk to. It shipped in. And I do believe that, that Anne Lister, young Anne Lister is Aunt Anne Lister's favorite person to talk to in the house. And she just, she gets excited, kind of like Anne Walker a little bit, where she's like all giddy, like, let me tell you what happened of the day. Because I feel like that a part of her was really anxious to tell Anne and just like gossip about fucking marrying shitty choices. But then after she did it, she was like, okay, a little bit of my conscience kicking in. Cause <laughs> this is oh, fucked up. I told me I was going to say shit, right. but I literally did not wait a whole 24 hours before I said shit. I mean, that's the, uh, endless effect. I mean, she just, <laughs> I mean, she's a commanding personality, man. It's hard to say no to miss Lista. And then of course, uh, the, the, they call him the general. Uh, oh, the captain. The captain. He's like, the only <laughs> one that's like, y'all snobby bitches. Like, why can't Marion get married? She's alone. She could use a companion, a partner. I would like hobby. her to get married. <laughs> <laughs> if she wants to learn trade and they could live off of that. Let then, them do that. Yeah. He's like, times are changing, bitch. New things is happening. And just because Anne is stuck in the past doesn't mean we all got to be. But of course, he says all that while she's gone. She's already right. peaced of the course. fuck out. Right. And he's talking that shit. <sighs> and after this, we get to the busybody. The busybody of Halifax. Who's that? Who's that busybody? Terrence? Who is that? Who is that person? You said the busybody of Halifax? Well, the busiest person I know is, is uh, and this should be when she's checking on the men. So she should be looking to make no, sure. No, it's Mrs. Priestley. Oh, there's a cutaway to that? Yes. Literally, Mrs. Uh, Priestley is at fucking breakfast for her man. <laughs> she's literally like, I wonder, I wonder what Ann Lister was doing at, 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 at Miss Walker's place. Do you think, do you think she's sick? Do you think she's ill? Because I just, you know, I don't want to be a busybody, but you know what? I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to show up. I'm going to just go visit and see what's up. I don't want to be a busybody, like, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be a busybody. My husband's like, I'm why? Be what is? You know, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> He's like, you're still talking about this. It's been, uh, like I, why, what? They cut to him looking up in like a sly way where she's like, I don't want to be a busybody. But then right after she's like. I'm going to go over there. And he's like, girl, what? You just said you don't want to be a busybody, but you also just said you're going to walk over there. You're not even going to take it because she walks. She has to walk. She doesn't take a carriage. A carriage would be announced. Somebody on the ground would be like, carriage here. I don't even know if they yell that shit, but I just feel like it would draw more attention because you got the yes. sound of the horses. They would have yes. heard the horses pulling up. Some yes. shit like that. No, she walks. She's on her yes. and Lister. Why are you walking yes. to Crow Nest, bitch? I know you have a carriage because I see it later yes. in the show. I see it in the show. So why are you walking? You fucking sneaky bastard exactly. <laughs> that's to be nosy and a busybody when you have no business you have no business in these lesbian affairs but it's because she's jealous that she doesn't have grubbles for herself 
Right. This was the end of the scene where she was saying out loud what she was going to do. And then we are to Thomas in the cart after this. And it's uh, Thomas ultimately trying to take over the affairs in place of Saladin and hoping that that could be a situation uh, that is, you know, agreeable to Annalista. But she basically explains that, you know, the arrangement that she has is with Saladin himself. And so without his respect of her place and how this works if he doesn't know that if he can't reckon with the pecking order then this whole thing just doesn't work well yeah and you can tell she likes thomas because you know when she calls thomas over to be like well what's going on with your daddy thomas is all smiles because he's just trying to be like oh my god please don't kick us out he's like good morning miss lista and Anne is already half in her sentence and then she pulls back and she's like good morning okay so let me talk to you about this and it's like oh See, she gotta do a little shit like that. She gotta, she gotta do a little decent character shit like right. that. But she does because she's not a heartless bastard like some of these articles would have us believe online. And um, she's like, well, don't forget to remind Saladin that he is to see me in my, my chambers for a private conversation about, you know, his future on this property. Yeah, and then she's like, um, and do know that if he does not show up at the hole, I should in to talk about it, I'm gonna be over there. And then she was like, and the consequences will be far worse. They'll be far worse, buddy. I was like, ooh. Oh no. And he goes away for a second, then he runs back and he's like, Miss, listen, I can do the work though. I can do all the work, even if my father's not inclined to work. And that's when she's like, I'm sorry. The agreement is with your daddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we feel badly for Thomas, who looks worried. Yeah. He, then he tells the dude, he's like, um, Can I go? Can I leave the cart? I got to go see about my life. Namely, my father that I have hog tied. I mean, in the, and, and in the pig he, pen. he's understanding. He he knows what just happened. Yeah, he's like, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. I know your daddy's a piece of shit. Go see about that shit. Go yeah. see about it. And um, that's what he does. And oh, then to our sad baby gay moment. That's what happens after this. And after she leaves the dude, she goes to Crow Nest. And after James lets her in, Ann Walker's crying on the ground. Yes, and then we're trying to figure out why she's sad or and on the ground. And, and well, uh, I think Ann and Lister probably thought immediately at first a new letter, something else, someone else bad mouthing her yeah. because she kind of pauses at the door. She doesn't even close it. She's just like, "What happened? What and went on?" And then she's like, "I just, I just thought you wouldn't come back." And she's right. like, "Oh, oh, is that girl? I'm a lesbian." And she closes the door. <laughs> she closes the door. And she's like, "Bitch, whew, you had me really scared for a second. You had me really scared." <laughs> Thought those haters of Halifax was trying to fuck me Ooh. over again. Girl, let's bright here. Turn, turn, these, <laughs> these, turn these blinds down. Let's turn these fucking lights down. Down low, these lanterns. <laughs> because, oh. yeah. Remember that thing I said about six months? I don't know. I just... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the scene is it's sad, but I think... I mean, you'll see as the series goes on, but this is essentially our first peek into some things that Ann Walker consistently deals with. And we've seen some hints of it in terms of her self-esteem and self-doubt that she has. But here I'm thinking we're seeing, we're seeing anxiety, a severe anxiety. And anyone who suffers from anxiety knows that it's, it's completely out of your control. How you overthink what other people might consider to be normal interactions, but you ponder that shit for a long ass time. And it potentially destroys your day. Like you had an interaction with a fucking waiter and you think you were rude. And now for eight hours, you're like, I was judged by that waiter. That waiter fucking hates me. You know what I mean? Like it's just an overthinking of the situation. And I've never had like extreme social anxiety. That's not my thing. I mean, I'm an introvert, but I'm also like a club kid, so I can fucking party amongst the people and not have a problem. But I did develop a type of anxiety, which I mean, was completely not inferior, but uh, alien. It was completely alien to me because I would have concerned myself, you know, an adventure seeker, thrill seeker, I've done a lot of ridiculous things. 
But that issue that I mentioned to you with my nerves and the herniated discs and other things that were happening in my body where you can't understand them, that can create an anxiety. And that was my first time really dealing with intense anxiety and those types of uncontrollable thoughts that aren't healthy thoughts that you could have where it's something like, oh, my mortality is an issue and I'm obsessing over these things that don't exactly make sense. I don't know if you ever saw that interview from um, Amelia Clark where she was talking about her brain aneurysm and that when she was on set for Game of Thrones, she was just riddled with anxiety and no one knew what was going on because she couldn't fucking talk about it because that's usually the way anxiety goes. You're like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. I'm just experiencing it. No one knows what's going on. But every day I'm like, I could die. I could die right now. In fact, I probably will die. And so when I read that article with her, I could relate to that shit because in the time that, you know, all those tests were happening, a fucking doctor was like, so I just need you to know that we're looking for MS, but don't freak out. And I was like, what? who does that? You can't who say Who does like that? that? Who says we're looking for MS and we need to look for these other things and do these other tests, but I don't want to freak you out. I don't want you to be stressed. I literally felt like I immediately, like I was already having anxiety of not understanding some things that were happening in my body. And then this doctor said this and I completely, like it was a switch and things got very different for me for a while. And so I just, I really empathize with, with Ann Walker here and not just from my own personal experience, but people I've known, people I've dated who just don't understand their self-worth. They can't comprehend it really. And sometimes if you if you if you partner with people like this or you date someone like this, a lot of times they can't understand your real attraction to them and they question it. They're like, "Well, why are you with me? Well, why do you love me? Well, why do you want to date me?" Because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing here worth dating or loving or whatever. And that's what breaks my heart about Ann Walker and what I see in this scene is because I see that I see people I've known people I've dated where this is this is the situation. This is a lifelong battle of self-worth that was definitely pushed down and made more intense by the shitty family members in her life and this, what she obviously perceived as rejection from Anne. And you have to imagine not just the anxiety, but it probably has roots in other interactions she's had in her life yes. and people being like, hey, I'm done with you because she says that so often, you'll probably just be done with me. So how many other people have just been done with her? Have been like, I find you interesting, for a week, but now I'm done because you didn't give me what I wanted. I imagine almost all the dudes that would have tried to court her would have been just this way. Well, remember, she never got properly introduced in society. So the only people who know of her would have seen her at gatherings for when her relatives died. And that's the only interaction Oh my God. And you know what? Her relatives them. have no time for her. Yes. They have no fucking time for so her. So she has no social circle and she doesn't have relatives that care about anything other than her money. So she doesn't have interactions with anyone, which is why we see her as closed off and invalid-like. Until right. at Lister, right. where it's like, oh, I'm open. I can... I'm vibrant. And then I thought that I was going to lose my light. I thought that I was right, going to lose right. my source of, it's weird because I'm going through this literal thing now with this dance of trying to date somebody, even though it's not really dating. It's complicated. But yes, where it's I feel like, like that's everything. It's I can't stay on the phone right now. I have to go is like, and you'll never hear from me again. Oh, no. Like that's the subtext where it's oh, like, no. oh, you're just saying that because I don't have anything to say and I'm not interested. And it's like, but that's not what's happening. Right, but right, right. No, but it it's is. the self, it's the inner yes. voice that's like, yes. okay, I'm not worth this or this is what's actually happening. I, I'm just wasting your time literally right now on the phone. And you just, you just want to do literally anything else right, right now. Right, like, exactly. So. It's that horrible inner voice that speaks to you. And um, I don't know, just this whole scene is, is, is heart-wrenching and I love the way it ends, but it's just, 
I was just like, oh my God, my poor touch starved, love starved baby gay, who is just so sensitive and so not used to these types of attentions that she was actually devastated. That someone who was showing real interest in her that she really fucking likes, definitely is falling for, might not ever come back. And she was probably crying all day with poor James out the door like, what do I do? Hopefully my sister comes over <laughs> soon. Cause I don't, I can't, I can't deal with this. Oh, I believe Anne says to her when she's like, I thought you would never come back. She's like, well, you'll find me a bit more constant in that. Again, and she's a gay. Like that's, it's a little hard <laughs> to get a woman out the paint like that. And she goes onto the floor. She's on her level. She takes her hands in her hands and she starts to console her. And fucking poor, poor baby gay Anne continues. She's like, I don't deserve you. I'm not good enough for you. You're so clever and interesting. I'm not clever and interesting. I hate myself. That's just what I hear. That's what I hear coming out of Ann Walker. And Ann Lister's like, no, you are clever. You are interesting. Here, let me show you with these kisses. That's not, you know, <laughs> exactly what. But really, that's what she's saying. This is the second time we've heard her reaffirm that she finds Ann Walker to be interesting and clever. And I, at this point, especially with this interpretation of the show and the readings and stuff and stuff, I feel like Anne believed that really and truly. That you don't have to, like she doesn't have to know how to fucking dissect a baby <laughs> right. for you guys to get on and have a good conversation. You have to be into the same things. She has to be interested in hearing you talk, which again, not something I think happens with Mariana. Not something I think happens where Anne could be like, I'm gonna ramble about fucking science for three hours. And Anne Walker's just there like, eyes beaming. Just like, yes, tell me more. I just love hearing you talk. I just love hearing you talk about what you're passionate about. <sighs> I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought because I went off to a future Mariana scene in an episode and I got We're mad. Not there yet. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, okay. So there's, you know, some, there's she some takes her hand kisses. Her face. Yeah, she takes yes. her hand to her face. She, she, she literally kisses her tears away. That's what it is. She kisses her tears away and then it gets, it gets a I don't want to say sorted, but it's it's transition. It's like the yes. transition period where you're like, these are loving kisses. And everyone knows what that transition is like. You're like, these are loving kisses. These are relatively innocent kisses because my intention here is to make you feel better, to make you feel loved, to make you feel safe. I'm the human gondola pin and I'm here to comfort you. But then I think what happened was she was kissing a bitch. She was like, cheek, cheek, forehead. But then she got to the neck. You know what we said about the nape? The nape yes. confuses people. The nape's like, Maples. sense, sense. Oh, hmm. And then they back on uh, they back on the uh, the thirstiness and Ann Walker can't hold her thirstiness for long and nope. again kudos nope. to Sophie Rundle for her excellent transition here in this scene because she goes from being very very believably distraught to a convincing face that says I feel safer I feel comfortable I'm not shuddering my posture isn't closed and low it is not open and inviting and I'm here to make out for another six hours. I feel like that's <laughs> that's what happens when we close this scene. And James is like, oh, these ladies. No, <laughs> let me stop. James should not be at that door listening. That would be fucked up. Uh, so um, the kissing of the Naples, we have a cut to Thomas getting home going. Oh, oh I don't know what yeah. to do. Panic I, at the Souden farm. That's what it was, which is the Lister farm, because they don't own that shit, but right. panic at the Souden farm. And he runs home screaming. He's like, Mom, Mother, and Lister, we need to fucking fix this shit. I got to let this motherfucker go, because if we don't let this motherfucker go, she's going to come up here and see what's going on. But you need to go to town, take the babies, because if I let him loose, you know that he's fucked right. up. He might, come he might try to hurt you. Yeah. So I just want you guys to be away. And she's like, well, what about you? What, 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 about, what about you, my child? And he's like, I can run faster. And I'm just like, fuck. That I mean, breaks my heart. for a day and a half, so I'm going to hope that you guys. But that still sucks. When he said that, that 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 hurt me because I was like, "Gotta run from your daddy!" Like Jesus. 
And, you know, so she gets a pair of shears or something for the rope. <laughs> shears. Uh, yeah. I was right. like, stab him with those fucking shears, B. And uh, so we get like this really creepy-ish kind of scene because you see the father, He's he's got like this weird pacing of breath that he's doing. Oh, uh, Thomas? Thomas's dad's outed. Oh, he's got I, this weird I think it's because he shit his pants and it's getting itchy and uncomfortable and he's just really agitated. Because remember what the little girl said, first scene, she was like, so he bust his pants. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Adorable. So I think he's just generally agitated because who's going to be sitting in, in, in excrement okay. and like, you know what? I feel good. No, he's mad and he's already a dick. He's like, I would have hoped that at this point you would have learned your lesson. I mean, first off, my son is trying to teach me a lesson, the audacity. So that's already like a love, love rage. Poor Thomas is a mess trying to like, hope his daddy well, learned lessons. You're, you're going to go over. You're going to clean yourself up. And then you're going to go over to Alyssa's place. And you're going to say the right things to p- make sure that we are still like thriving as a family. So whatever, yeah, right. he's like, thrive. <laughs> How about die? Because that's his father's energy. So what I love that he did was instead of cutting his father loose, he just separated the chair from the stable. <laughs> so once the father he didn't even felt complete. Oh, the, that the, the rope was loose, he thought that he was loose. He was a mess. So he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you down into the mud. <laughs> you know, I think it's fucked up. <laughs> I think it's fucked up that... Uh, he was probably still drunk because only a drunk motherfucker is that is that ridiculous. You've been tied up, my dude. You've been tied up. Look what you've done. Look at all your trauma. Look what you've done to your son. This is how he's acting. You can't lie for five seconds, bro. He couldn't lie for five Get seconds, Sarah. Get me out Sarah. of the chair. Get me out. Get me out. And then he starts screaming like he's feral, like a feral killer. And of course, Thomas is like, okay, bitch. Now I'm screaming. I'm emotional. You're forcing me to do this. You know what you taught me, daddy? The one thing, the one thing you fucking taught me besides abuse is that pigs will eat anything. And I got to tell you, after this scene, I was like, should anyone ever eat bacon again? The answer is no. The answer is no. But Thomas was on his misandry. He can he can get honorary membership into my misandry club because he fed his fucking dad to pigs. And I, Terrence. Mm-hmm. On my list of ways to go that are the worst, that is... That does sound bad. Because it's somehow worse. You know what it is? It's actually... It goes down to my belief about how your organic matter should be, ideally, <laughs> dispensated after your death. Like, how should that be spread? How should it be left? And so, for me, I don't know how you feel, but the idea of, of my organic form rotting in a in a, in a casket does not interest me at all. Oh, no. no, no, no. And ideally, you could shoot my ass into space among the stars. That, that would be cool. If my, if my dust could make it into space dust, that would be great. But I don't, I feel like to me, that would be like an unfinished way of dying. Like if, if an animal just ate. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're now you're, wait, wait, body. It's several animals. So you're, you're being shat out of several pigs. No! Several pigs. It is what it is. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. I feel like you don't go to the next place. You stuck like Killmonger in oh, the in between. <laughs> you don't. You oh, don't get to no. go right. to the ancestral the ancestral home. You, you just you stuck the ancestral in some projects. shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Ancestral projects where people get eaten by pigs. Hell no. Nah. I'm like someone burned the shit. Like the pig shot me out, but please burn it because I need help. <laughs> I need to be able to move on to the mortal coil. I'm stuck in motherfucking whack ass purgatory. But yeah. 
And after the pig scene, we get uh, our nosy, snippy, busy body. Busy body. Busy body. Is she heads to the front. Then she swings around to the side to the rear. We already talked about how this bitch is walking and she did not take a carriage. She, Why did you do that? She stares at the front and she's like, hmm. No, she looks at the closed blinds. blinds. You know what my first thought was? They're down. I was like, so Ann Walker got big ass blinds like this and nobody pulled them down for the makeout sessions. Thank God that they have been making out for so long that they were like, you know what? Cue the blinds. Cue the blinds because Ann was like, my neck, I can't keep turning around like this. I don't want to keep turning around like this. But yeah, she ponders at the at the window. She's like, the blinds are over these 30 foot windows. What? What could that possibly mean? Is she ill? And then she goes around to the back. That's not right. It's like she makes a deliberate choice not to go to the main entrance, but to go to where the servants are and she can enter the home without having to ring the bell. But who are you? And you don't live here. So I have problems who with this. Who are you? Who are you? She's a hater for a grubble. I already told and you. And then she no wants one was expecting grubble. her. So you see, uh, John is like, John is oh. like oh, let me put my jacket back on. Like, He's oh, like, bitch, I, we, I, this I didn't the know I was on duty. He's like, it's the service quarters. What you doing over here? This is where this is where we hang out. And she's like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. Already. Already you're a bother. Already. Right? Like, she's a bother. And then she's like, oh, what's up with um Ann Walker? She's sick. Can I, I see get the, the blinds down. He's like, bitch, the only gossip is she there with Miss Lista. Right. Let a bitch breathe. And she's like, actually, show me. <laughs> show me to the drawing room of where these women are. And then it's further rude. I mean, you were screaming at and this part. And then once they made it to the drawing room, she said, don't knock. Excuse you. This is not your house. I work here. <laughs> if the lady of the house has an issue with me not announcing your presence, that's literally in my job description. Yeah. Don't yeah. knock. He's like, literally, I have what one the- job usually. <laughs> it's, like, it's delivering letters and announcing people. Right. Like, so, excuse you. She's a fucking mess. And uh, in between, I guess we didn't say this, but in between some of these scenes with Mrs. Priestley, we are getting cuts to the steamy makeout session. Oh, and we have to talk about steamy. it. It's steamy as fuck. And it's with Anne and Anne, of course. And I'm just like, wow, this is the power of the gay, but also Anne Lister, because it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that our baby gay was in a pile of tears. Right. Feeling insecure, like she couldn't satisfy anyone. And now, now she's back horizontal, headed to the grubbles, feeling confident. Because when you look at her face, you're like, this is confident energy. This is not the energy we saw before. She's biting her lip. She's throwing her arms up. Like, when, okay, see, I'm ready This is why <laughs> I was having those impure thoughts about prep work. And saying, oh, well, she's good to go now. She's- now, see, I my impure thoughts had to do with how she threw her hands up when, when Miss Lista started going downtown. And it reminded me of like a, a roller coaster. When you're prepping yourself for the oh, dip, yeah. you're like, bitch, it's about to go down. That was Ann Walker. She was like, it's about to go down. Let me bite my lip. <gasps> I'm ready. Let's do this shit. Oh, busybody Priestley really does fuck it up. And we're going back and forth to these scenes. And holy fucking shit, when we get back to the makeout scene. I just, you know what? <laughs> All right, so you guys, we get back to the grubble scene. And for any of you out there reading those books, knowing about the, the toil of the petticoats for, for Ann Lista, we have gotten through the petticoats. Anne has made it through the petticoats. And this is all actual and factual. There's entries in the in the diaries to go with these moments that we're seeing. And um, I think we need to celebrate because um, Anne made it it's to the queer. Right. She made it to the queer, though. But there, there was penetration. Like, we have to be specific because that specifically requires our specificity. That she was able to penetrate the petticoats and Miss Walker at the same time. And if Anne doesn't have, and by Anne I mean Anne Walker, if she doesn't have the gayest fucking response 
in this situation. And that's not to say that I have not fallen prey to these, this display of emotions where you're like, you're barely holding it in. Like you want to tell, you want to tell someone you love them, but you're just like, ow, it's been a week. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, it's a week. I can't say it. But then maybe you get to the grubble and the shit just slips out because that's what happens to Ann Walker where she's in it. She's like, yeah, yeah. Bite my lips, whatever, whatever. And gets near queer in that moment, literally. And kudos to the actors and the lesbian sex consultant, whoever the fuck was on that set, because I got it. And they did it right. That they show that moment of like, here's where it's actually happening. Look at Ann Walker's immediate response, which is why I say it's a gay response, because she felt that she finally was reaching the place where she was like, oh my God, is this what it is? And immediately she's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I don't know what Ann Lister would have thought because half of her could have been like, well, all ladies love me when I'm at the grubble. But, you know, she's like, let me let me hear her say this when I'm not on my grubble okay. to know that she's serious. But I feel like from our perspective, she was fucking serious. And actually, <laughs> that's what I Bitch, feel like. Bitch, uh, let me hear I love you when we're not, you know, <laughs> well, when, I mean, I'm not, that's when I'm just, not deep in the petticoats. Given how those I love you can come pretty freely given how amazing grubbles can be that it's it's understandable that Anne might be like like that smile she gave it wasn't a smile to me that said absolutely you're in the throes of love it was, it was a smile to me that said of course you do mm. <laughs> of mm. course you do i'm Anne lister and i've gotten through the petticoats of course you love me if we had to soundtrack this scene do you have any direct suggestions you would make for for the soundtrack of, and they, I think they should be separate because the soundtrack for Enlista is and different Elvis, than the soundtrack right, to Anne Walker. Different, they have different yeah. soundtracks mm. right now. Same scene, different soundtracks. Well, you know, the one song that I just can't get out of my head for at least the past week that I've been playing is the... Um... Oh, right. You did show me this song. Matter of fact. So tonight, mm-hmm. I'm going <laughs> to drop in love. Just <laughs> Drop in love for Jesus. Jesus. This is definitely Anne's energy. Yes. Keep the Lord in mind When you dirty wine Drop it, drop it for Jesus And then we got Air Walker If I should die <laughs> Yo! It's so she's on, baby she's on her fucking lamp It yes. is I would I've never known Completeness Hello, the I love you Like being here Wrapped in a the warmth of you. Loving, loving every breath of you. Here go, Ann Lister. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry. It's the most ridiculous the season mashup. Gay versus the baby gay. In the club. Yo, this part. <laughs> I'm on the grind. Cause for my sins he died. Yo, she said, she said, I'll be at the pearly gates for show. That's what she said. That's Ann Lister. Back to our baby game. Yeah. Am I, am I right? Am I, am I right or am I right? This is definitely the energy of all of our ladies. I want to stay right here. I won't put you guys through my horrible singing. Um, that was quite a detour, but I just want you to know that I independently with my friends making them laugh, I had pulled up this DJ app on my phone and we were laughing consistently as I remixed, uh, drop it low for Jesus, which is endless to like, let's take the sacrament. Let's, let's get married, but also let's, uh, let's drop it low to the grubbles. 
And Ann Walker, just experiencing the Grubbles for the first time, is literally like, I... <laughs> Yo, she's done. That's why she said, I love you, because she's done. It's a wrap. I don't know what else to say about this scene. I'm just tickled and giggled and thrilled that it has gone down in this way and that and Lister finally made through the petticoats. I feel like I was living vicariously, especially after all those entries where a bitch is like, God damn it, and I could not get through the petticoats. But next time, next time, surely, surely it will happen. And you know what? I'll save it for the historical nightcap. You're going to crack up. I'm just going to say there's a lot of entries around what happens here, and I think huh. you will enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Miss Busybody barges in like Ronald yeah, Asley. She barges in after the penetration happens. I'm sorry, that what shit is so fucked up. What the hell is going on between the sheets in <laughs> my home? First what off, is this is this? not your home. It's not your home, bitch. And of course, Miss Walker's like, well, uh, uh, well, I haven't been feeling well, so, you know, Miss Lissa's just been no, taking care of me. Because Miss Lissa's like, what? She's like, what? What are we doing? What are we doing? And then Ann Walker volunteers like, <laughs> oh, she's just, she's just taking care of me. And did she tell a lie? Did she tell a lie? I mean, she did. She did. Oh my God, that stutter is a stutter of a woman who wants a grubble oh, and doesn't know how to deal with the jealousy. I've had nothing but high esteem for you and your adventures. <laughs> I've, I've always... I've defended you every single time someone's tried to talk behind your back. I've been there, Anne. And doesn't Anne try to say like, Eliza, please? And she's like, don't, don't you, you Eliza me. me. <laughs> don't you call me by my first name, bitch, when you were just grubbling a hoe. Don't you dare. Don't you dare call me by my first so name when I'm you were grubbling somebody else. the meme with the girl screaming with the other girl holding her and then the cat sitting at the table. <laughs> I'll show you an image of it so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, don't you Eliza me. Um, does Mrs. Priestley say Miss Lister when she comes in? Yay or nay? Does she even address Miss Lister? No, I don't think she has. I, no, I was curious because um, it just occurred to me the meaning of the importance of calling someone by their first name. From going from that formal designation of Mrs. Priestley to then feeling comfortable enough to call someone Eliza. Because that wasn't something, especially in this day, that wasn't just understood to be a thing. And there's mm -hmm. parts in the diaries where Anne calls a woman by her first name for the first time. Especially in oh. No Priest But Love when it comes to Mrs. Barlow. Well, and maybe so, it yeah. speaks to, like, endearment, possibly. Right, right. This this goes to my secret one for Grubbles. I'm sorry. This is this is where I am on Mrs. Priestley. There's no Mrs. Priestley diary, so so y'all can't say that I'm wrong. And honestly, <laughs> read those parts in the diaries yourself and be like, what was up with Mrs. Priestley? And Anne remarks more than once how Mrs. Priestley takes to her, her politeness, her kindness, her flirts, etc. As she heaps admiration and compliment upon compliment upon all the women that she talks to. Ms. Priestley uh, goes on to say, well, you know, your, your aunt's been fraught with ideas of you maybe being slashed or murdered or somewhere, being out all hours of the night. <laughs> a host of misery. She's been in a host, a host of miseries. Oh, and then she delivers, you're playing with fire. Is that, that's a, a premonition. <laughs> I, I'm like, is that a compliment for Ann Walker? Because or... that, that could work. Or is that a, a what do you call it? Premonition, foreshadowing, foreshadowing of for the couple? Uh, not a couple, but you know when you need to get some healing <laughs> because you've wait. Been are you being vulgar? Are you being burned. vulgar? Is this a dirty joke? <laughs> no, but you've been death burned. Oh. 
uh, you know, VD, venereal. Oh, no. Uh, We're not talking about Anne's STI, are we? With fire. That is not. I, okay, I just saw where you were going, and you're ridiculous. Uh, hey. <laughs> you're ridiculous. Let us not talk about Anne's STI. That mm. is not relevant to her grubbles with, with uh, Ann Walker, and certainly not with how these grubbles went down. Oh, right. Not right. with how these grubbles went down. She yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> Right. So after she's like, yeah, 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 you're playing with fire. And she leaves, just storms the fuck out. We get the best fucking scene because Thirsty Ann Walker of House Parched, being ever so parched, and just having her first near queer skin to skin contact, that bitch starts laughing and I loved it. And poor Ann, she's a hot mess. Mrs. Priestley leaves. And you can tell Ann is like, fuck, 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 She leaves fuck, in a huff, fuck. but, you know, she wasn't announced. And it's not like she has a coach that I have to draw or pick up or do anything. So. As as John, uh, I, I, there's nothing I need to do. I could just stand here and watch you leave. I don't have to dress you, see you off. You but, invited yourself. But you that can... cackle echoed throughout Cronest. Oh, I'm like, sure it did. There Poor... were servants on the other side that were like, wow, Ed Walker's, <laughs> she's laughing pretty loudly. I mean, and I just love the contrast between her response and Ann Lister's response. Because mm. again, we have an atypical, unexpected response from Ann Walker. And Ann Lister's on the side like, wow, really? Is because she was freaking out. With this? Right. She doesn't smile again until James comes in. He's like, yo, um, is everything good? Because Miss Priestley just left in a huff and I've never seen her walk that fast. And now I hear my matron laughing in a very, uh, just alarming. Is everything good in here? I and- mean, everything <laughs> must be good. Don't you see me washing all these petticoats? Oh my God. <laughs> and that's what... <laughs> I fucking can't. And that's when Ann, Ann Lister starts smiling because she tried to be on her polite. She's like, oh, yeah, everything's cool. Everything's good. Okay. Um, but is it? And then she looks over at Ann Walker when she's finally done laughing. And she's like, thank you, James. Everything's everything's fine. She looks at Ann Lister and she's like, um, so <clears throat> uh, shall we go upstairs? <laughs> I was like, yo, bitch, get your O, Ann Walker. You speak up for yourself and you take, you take for yourself. And I'm just so glad that at this time, she was still asking a question, so it was passive aggressive. Like, shall we go upstairs? Giving a bitch room to be like, well, I've had a great grubble, but I have to go see the men. No, 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 no. That's skills. I don't know how our baby gay is getting these kind of skills, but she's coming up fast. Man keen. I, I mean, Anne she Wall- literally <laughs> had a meeting with Salvin at the same time, and she just sort of missed the meeting. Right, right. Oh, was that what she did? She missed Salvin's meeting. I didn't the, even think the, about that. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. That is, that sounds about right. Well, you know, fuck him. And he's currently pig feed or the other part of pig. Yeah. You know what? Moving on. So yes, that happens. And Walker is giddy as fuck. And again, she just told a bitch she loved her. She just got actual skin to skin contact. There's, we already said this in the last historical nightcap. Like there's like the rationality that accompanies your first excellent queer sexual experience does not exist. Like you are in another place oh, where yeah, your actions another, are like irregular. Yeah. They don't make sense. You can put yourself at harm. Like fucking Barlow was saying, like it's just, you just, I was just thinking back on jobs I almost lost because I was fucking around. I mean, Being hey, inspired. Hey, right. Hey, you only Being live once. Inspired. You only live once. Just because a cop wants to try to write you a ticket for, for, for having the grubbles in a car. In uh, hey, Gramercy, it took it took them a minute <laughs> to knock on that glass. Okay, like they were like, oh, that was my lunch oh, break, but oh. I don't want to. I, yeah, it was. I got in trouble. They were like, Candace went to lunch. It's been three hours. Ooh, well, you know hey. how it be. Sometimes right. you be on the grubbles. Anyways, so they make it upstairs and they're all on the beds and they're doing all of the okay. Nuzzling. Wait, first the door kiss. 
Because here's Ann Walker again being like, feed the thirst. Because she gets in, she closes the door, and Ann Lister's like, oh, what's up? And Ann Walker gives her her version of the eyebrows. It's like, come, th- come hither. And then, did you not see that pillow move that Ann Lister did when she brought it to the bed? Oh, to make sure her back was okay? Right. It was like, it was one swift motion where we're both moving towards the bed. But in this in this way, I'm grabbing this pillow. So you don't even notice. And I'm putting it behind right. you Comfort. for your back, for right. your neck. That's what you call learned lesbian skills. Right. That's me uh, predetermining your needs while also trying to give off the notion that I've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I feel like we have to abandon that shit altogether. That that's just, that's just Ann Walker being like, oh, okay, sweetie. Because... I mean, again, I, we saw her eyebrows when she was like, via Hobart, companion. And also um, the grubbles, the grubbles. She said, I love you after 0.7 seconds. That's got to be a record for a gay, <laughs> I got to say. And uh, we do a shortcut to Thomas clearing uh, Blade, uh, trying to get some of the blood off of it from, you know. Oh, after she gets back near queer? After they get thrown on the bed with the pillow and gets near queer again. And so that's super important to say because they've, they've transitioned to a new stage. They are kissing all the time. They are doing the grubbles. They hold hands. Again, <laughs> it's pancakes versus waffles, meaning right, flat pancakes. to flats versus right, right, fingers right. intertwined with each other, which would be the waffle. Oh, right. You said that. You said you said they were pancakes yeah. and, uh, versus the waffle thing. And um, we have to note and smile because I just it's it's probably the gayest thing I've seen in a long time on a on a woman, which is and it's mostly because and this has to go back to the thing, the, the, the lesbian consultant, because I rarely have seen this type of attention to detail taken to a love scene with two women. And it's actually happening. And um, and it's only episode three. It's Sorry, only episode. But <laughs> no, you can scream good. about it. You can scream about it because it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, it's 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 all the things. It's hot. It's eager. It's lustful. It's romantic. It's soft. It's slow. It's all these different fucking things. And it's all the stuff like Anna's very rushed the way she always is because she's like ripping off that that neck scarf where she's like, I can bitch, I got to get this the fuck off and get to these legs. But at the same time, she's being so slow and tender with a bitch. And then she comes back up to give the kisses after giving kisses before she went back downtown, downtown. And then she gets to the queer for the grubble. And I just have to say, I love that smile she gives, which to me, along with Ann Walker's, oh, moan, is like, that's, that's, that's near queer. That's, that's entering the treasured palace for lack of a better phrase or oh, actually that is a great phrase the treasure the treasure palace mm. the tre- <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry uh the the palace full of treasures and i think that why this is so important to me i'm saying is because it's something that actually is missing from a lot of lesbian scenes the actual idea that a woman enjoys fucking another woman that she gets near queer and the biggest smile that comes across her face, one of satisfaction, one of like, oh, I'm home. Oh, I'm here. This is great. This is fantastic. This is what it's all about. That's what Ann Lister's giving me with that look. She's like, finally, finally. And no interruptions because we can lock this door. I mean, I feel like they should be able to lock the drawing room door, but I don't think they were concerned. And honestly, that's both their fault. Ann Walker, because we already knew she had zero fucks to give from early in the episode. And Ann Lister, because, well, you're a learned lesbian. Yeah. And you know about locking the door. But we'll, we'll give that to Ann Walker's energy where you were like, I fucking can't. I'm distracted. And so I'm just going to go straight, straight to the girls. And uh, there it was. So, sorry. I had to give my TED Talk about lesbian sex because I noticed that immediately. Every other woman I know who's watched this show also noticed it. Women who fuck other women, that is. And it's just, it's a very small, very minute point 
but a very important point. And I'm so glad that Sally and the consultant that she hired and whoever else on the fucking set, whatever lesbians or queer women worked on the script. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. Does it exist elsewhere? I honestly would have to search uh, the L yes. word to know if it is. Like I... what I'm thinking of specifically, which is like at this moment, bliss, because I'm a queer lady. So duh. Like, Sorry. can we get calm? Can <laughs> we get calm? Like no storm and just calm and just bliss. Like, can that just exist in any plot line? Like no. For but can we can we ladies? just have more women on screen who are supposedly having sex with each other actually look like and act like and interact and touch each other and have the closeness proximity? Because it's all that when it comes to Anne and Anne. It's how they talk. It's how they interact. It's how they stand when they're close to each other. It's what they do with their hands when they're kissing each other. It's the facial expressions. It's all the things that makes it an actual believable gay relationship that is not for the male gaze. It is not for people necessarily who aren't queer. It's not made to fucking have the hats be like, oh, that makes sense. I understand that. It's literally made for the gays. And I just, I just, or rather made for the gay gays, if that makes sense. Because obviously anyone can watch the show and be incredibly fulfilled by the story that is Anne Lister. But I just mean where representation is concerned. And uh, when you have movies like Blue is the Warmest Color, good Lord, where not only actresses were traumatized in the process of that horrible film, but I was traumatized as a viewer watching it and being like, what the fuck is this? Have you seen that? I forget. Uh, no. Don't bother. Save yourself. Because you will, if you do, you'll be like, Candace, why did you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So save yourself. But yeah, I just, end of my mini TED talk about that scene being amazing on top of all the wonderful feels and whatever. And then when we get the next scene with them, I mean, yeah, okay. In between that is Daddy Soudan being food. We see that he is pig feed. He's done. But when we get back to Crow Nest... They're fucking holding hands and pancake like a pair of goddamn teenagers. That's what they're doing. They're, yes. That's what you do when you have an excellent grubble, a life-changing grubble. You just stare at the motherfucker who did it to you and vice versa. And you're like, so, hey, that happened. Wow. And that's what we see. Do you believe Ann Lister's happiness in that scene? I believe that she is invested. Yes. And I'm hoping that there's a return on her investment. For her. There's already been a return and the vulgar person in me says it's still on her, but <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They just had sex. Like what? Anne is like, she wants a wife, but she also wants a good grubble. And we must remember that outside of Veer, she's just had Mariana. And when she fucking saw Mariana, she was being a pain in the ass. As she says in her diary, like fucking shit. I just, I'm glad Mariana's <laughs> leaving. And so she's not had a fulfilling and inspired right. grubble for quite some and that's the end. I feel like we were all over the place this episode. Really, really all over the place. We're sorry. Hopefully it's still somewhat cohesive. Uh, shall we go to final thoughts? What you were thinking when you saw the previews? It looks like there's a little trouble in paradise. No uh, comment, yeah, but oh, you saw. I saw. I, I didn't want to see. And it could have definitely tainted the way I feel about this episode. It's the reason why I'm here oh, at the no. end saying things about I'm hoping there's a return on the investment. Oh, no. That's literally why I'm oh, saying these no. things. Because it's like, well. Just bask in the gay fields. For, I know it's hard for the previews. But that's how shows be doing you. You be on your shit and then they show the preview. say no <laughs> is something that hurt yeah. very deeply. I know. So I know. what if someone shan't say no here? Oh, beer. Oh, what? Just just, if yeah she um, doesn't deserve that and lister doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve a lot of the shit she gets in this show but we'll we'll blame the men and busy bodies like mrs Priestley who do not have grubbles and so they're acting out acting the fuck out 
Um, so what are you saying? You're feeling pessimistic about episode four? I don't know how to feel. I'm happy that I got the grubble in this episode. I was hoping so you, it were was you were yes. correct. You were correct. So I that I was very, 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 very happy about. Uh I mean, next is out of space. I mean, I don't know where where's next. Oh, that's the wrong clap. <laughs> I was trying to cheer for the grubbles. Three cheers. I mean, I don't know what's next, honestly. I mean, I want there to be more unity. I want there to be a united front of sorts. Do you mean a united front world. of uh, of Anne and Anne? Of Anne and Anne. Uh, so I, I have something I want to say, and I cannot. God, this is my life. This is my life. I'm sorry. Soon I will be able to scream into the the abyss all I want about the entirety of this series, but I just I have to hold back and. I think you'll see that too, and you'll probably end up rewatching it. I'm sure you will. That like once you see the whole thing, and then you marinate on shit, you'll rewatch it with new eyes and be like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Oh yes, more layers, more details. Fantastic, because that's what happened to me. Totally. Nice. I'm not gonna make any predictions because that would be cheating. Got it. <laughs> I predict more gribbling. <laughs> I predict high flying with lesbians. I predict. Annoying ass Mrs. Priestley still being annoying. I predict Rawson interference with something. Oh yeah, of course. How can I leave out that dick? I don't like to think about him. That's the problem. Um, I predict more lovely scenes with Aunt M. Do you think um Do you think our sister will make a return to be annoying <laughs> next episode? Bitch, you already know I know the answer to that. Oh yeah, that's true. Mayhaps. <laughs> Mayhaps, perhaps. I don't know. Terrence, what do you think? <laughs> you you had father send a letter to say that <laughs> to terminate the engagement between Dude, our ladies are basically engaged. They're pre-engaged engaged, mm. which is engaged if you're gay. I think we can both say that the thirst in the show right now is only rivaled by Killing Eve. Our yes. our primary ridiculous boat of where we get satisfaction, but ultimately not. <laughs> I mean, there were things in this episode that I could definitely draw parallels to. The pink ensemble. Hello, like I the, said. The potpourri in the potpourri. hair. Uh, Motherfucking Villanelle's veil. The killing, the hanging of the pig. Yeah, killing men. That's that works. Just, it's, it's all there. It's all, it's all there. So... I think that's it. I think we're done. <laughs> look, look at the time. Why don't you tell the, the people at home what time it is? Uh, it's beyond dawn. Yes, it's it is. It's beyond 6.34 a.m. And I'll have you guys know that um, we were in the studio. People were shooting ads and did other things. And we're still here. We're still here. Yeah. But we love this show. And we love you guys. So labor of love. Are you even going to go do like stuff in life during the day? I think I'm just going to have another coffee and just power through like I can do. I mean, I have to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I credit my club days when I would just like be at the club dancing till like 5.30. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Go to some deli, bodega, or McDonald's and be like, give me that coffee, give me that hash brown. I need it. And then just to work. And for those dicks that are like, are you wearing the same shirt? It's like, mind your goddamn business. I didn't have time to go home right. before I got here. So, yeah. <sighs> well, thank you for joining us again on this episode, this journey of Gentleman Jack, episode three. Oh, 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 is that what you call it? <laughs> yes, Mrs. Priestley, grubbling. And um, we are now officially a week-ish at the time of this recording from FlameCon. And we have a lot of goodies to show you guys. Again, we have not taken pictures yet. For those of you who have followed us on our 
a ragged, a ragged social media <laughs> platforms, you know that it can be sporadic, but then sometimes we'll do like six or seven posts in three hours. It's really weird how it goes down. But I promise by the end of this week, there will be some pictures. And because you motherfuckers, um, not just you gentlemen Jack Crack listeners, but you well, well Villanelle listeners, for those of you who've crossed over to listen to this, you guys are still streaming those really long episodes and we can't believe it and we love you for it. So yeah. we're going to do another giveaway. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to have more cool stuff. So if you're in the Tri-State area, be sure to come on down to FlameCon. Please do. We'll have a table. We are not to be missed. Um, <laughs> we will you, not be missed. As you're hard. looking at all the trinkets and gadgets and gizmos, you'll notice that one table will stand out beyond the rest. There'll be bright colors. There'll be hashtags like Grubbles and Eve on her knees <laughs> for Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. TK20, you'll, you'll know where we are. Right. Dead giveaway who we are. Yeah, totally. So is that, why don't you take us, why don't you take us out, Daddy-O? <laughs> because oh, right. I just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, guys. Cue the job <laughs> team music! Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, is it, is it the accent? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was. So long. Adieu. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>